first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Okay, uh, the Realm's Deep bullshit is uh, done, so we can just talk like normal human beings now. Excellent. This is great. Um, I've been really really uh itching to be able to talk about this game because it's like you know like well you know it's public on twitter but like don't tell anyone that you know anything about it and i'm like fuck did you you want to say that in your best fred impression again too no i mean i can (laughs) oh let me let me try like under this is under heavy dna uh nda dna whatever uh no i'm not i'm not gonna be able to do my fred impression oh you did it so well earlier i had to have a few more beers (laughs) before we get there um God, I, everybody who's Danish says my Danish accent sucks, but everybody who's not Danish is like, oh, that sounds just like Fred. I'm like, I know. Me, with my, me with my boring American accent, every time I like talk with somebody from 3D Realms or like play games with one of them and they, I just, oh, I love it. I love, I love the, love the Danish accent. Don't get enough of it. All I ever got was the, uh, the Minnesotan accent up in Michigan. And that was about mm. the closest I ever got. I have a really good ear for like Dutch accents, you know, that like, I can I can kind of get that nail that one pretty well. German I can't really tell the difference between German and like Swiss and Austrian necessarily, but I mean like you know I can I can hear German. Danish is weird. It's like it's just not one that you hear in the media all the time. There's just yeah. not a lot of representation, I guess. But uh, you know I get plenty of an earful from Fred so. <laughs> and Alex. Yeah, yeah. Alex and I play. Uh, we play Phasmophobia sometimes, and that's that's just great. I, I, if there's anything I love, it's hearing a Danish person get killed by a ghost over the walkie-talkie. <laughs> really, just a good time. So, in real time, this hasn't happened yet. But since most people will hear this interview, actually, pretty much everybody but the editors will hear this interview after the fact. Uh, what does it feel like to finally be able to kind of like oh, break the big news and talk about everything that's been going on? Oh man, you oh you have no idea. I, I'm casting this, of course, to future Jason. But right now, it's like uh, kind of like I said in the in the uh, the shorter interview. Uh, mm-hmm. Like game development's been a passion of mine since I was in like fifth grade, like really really long time. Uh, I'm I'm almost thirty now by by comparison, <laughs> and uh, and so it's with all like everything, all of my like dreams coming true in terms of like getting a game to market and and getting to work with like an actual like company and everything. Um, I've just wanted to brag about it to everybody. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm working on this game and like, it's, it's, it's so somebody's interested in it, but I can't really say who, and, and I'm going to be like featuring it like, like pretty soon, but I can't say where. And, uh, I'll say the really fun thing is that, uh, one week after realms deep is, uh, it's my, my 10 year high school reunion. And so, uh, which was delayed one year because of COVID, but it'll be really nice 
when people ask me what I'm up to, and I'm like, I'm a game developer. I made it. I made it. Here we go. Uh, which, because that's what, you know, a lot of people knew that about me in high school too, mainly because that's what I would do on all my computer lab classes. So it's going to sound really mean, but one of my favorite things to do is like realize that people who were shitty to me in high school now like work at gas stations or, you know, aren't doing anything cool. Um, I, I, uh, I, <laughs> I want everyone to do well, but yeah, yeah. I, I went to school with a lot of, uh, with a lot of like doctors kids. Uh, and so I'm, I'm expecting them to, you know, to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a game developer now. And they're like, Oh, does that pay the bills? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> but you know, it's fun someday, <laughs> someday though. That's, that's, that's the dream, right? I mean, it, you're pursuing your passions and then there's, right. there's something to be said for that. A lot of people are too afraid to, they're, you know, I want security and I don't want to ever, you know, stray from the beaten path because yeah. there's no tried and true way for me to confirm that that will ever be beneficial to me and my family. I get, I, I get all that, you know, I went, yeah. I, I am going through that currently, but, um, I well, just, just tremendous, tremendous respect for anybody who's willing to just go out on a limb and try it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just tough. Cause like, like I have, I, I do work full time right now, which is why mm-hmm. cultic development is, is fairly slow. Um, cause I, I just work on it in my free time. Um, and it's, it's, it's really draining. Cause like, you know, I, I get off work and then I put on my developer hat and then I, and then I just work on cultic. And, uh, and so, and then like, you know, my actual, actual free time, I'm, you know, trying to, you know, trying to spend time with my girlfriend or with my, my friend group, or, you know, just, uh, you know, just trying to relax. Uh, but then if I'm doing any of that, I'm like, man, I could be at home working on Cultic right now. I probably should be working on this map. I should be working on this background track. Um, and so it's tempting, you know, I find like, maybe I should just like take my savings and, and work on Cultic full time. Uh, but it's just, it's so hard because I've been working full time pretty much since I turned 18. Um, so it's, you know, I'm just like, I'm so that like switching away from that financial stability is such like a scary thing for me. Um, so it would be really nice to work on Cultic full time and it would certainly get the game into people's hands a lot faster. Um, and so we'll see. Um, we'll see. I'm trying to sell my house right now. So maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and just have a, a windfall of cash from that. <laughs> Not likely, but Hey, you know, maybe, maybe some of us fall in love with it. Maybe as we get that, you know, early access and uh, pre-order kind of stuff, merchandise starts to flow, you know, you'll be able to, like, hey, you know, That's I right. kind of we'll relax now. We'll start start moving these uh, these cultic figurines. Yes. We'll just, uh, we won't tell the consumers that these cost 25 cents for me to print at home, but, you know, it's... We forgot to mention that Cultic is not really a video game. It's actually a tabletop RPG. Yeah. And <laughs> it yep. comes with all these figurines and it costs $120 at market value. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. Yep. No, uh, th- th- I've been, like I said, I've been dying to talk about it. But I'm just looking at all the cool videos that you've been posting and everything. And I'm just like, this looks fucking cool. Like, I mean, I'm also a huge fan of blood and any, yeah. anything. Uh, I wouldn't be here if I weren't a fan of those types of games, obviously. And uh, it just, it has that right aesthetic. It, it also has a, what, what engine are you developing in? Uh, this is all being done in unity. Yeah. So it, it does have a very clearly, this is, unity vibe to it i guess now that you've told me that but it just there's a lot of people who are really successful right now at pulling off that old school look um in a way that feels authentic another one that i was thinking of would be like uh i don't know if you've seen scoot hard dx um which will be debuted here at realms deep as project absentia uh completely changing kind of the theme of the game but still maintaining scoot Scoot, like a scooter scoot hard Yeah, I'm gonna look. I haven't seen it, but I'm gonna look it up right now. It's a pony game, just so you know. Um, built in the Doom engine, 
But, oh. but they really pull off the kind of build engine style gameplay in the Doom engine, which was like very interesting to me. I was I love that. And just looking at what you're done you've done so far. Uh, there, I mean there's a reason why uh why I'm Fred really, was like, debating with me. Yeah, I'm really uh I'm really enjoying the the plethora of like hand drawn mm-hmm. uh games that we're getting right now. Um like uh oh gosh, is it uh, Fallen Aces, I think, is one of them. The like, yep. the like, uh, noir mobster. That's like all like hand drawn, uh, like uh, HUD sprites and enemies and everything. And then, uh, gosh, I can't. Oh, is it? I'm not just sit here and wonder, but because there's another one that someone's working on on my Twitter. Uh, is it? I think it's maybe Hellslinger. Yeah, Hellslinger is a, a Z Doom mod where they're doing all, um, all hand drawn stuff as well, and it just, it's just got. I love it. I think it's great. Plus, there's an M79 in that game, which, you know, kind of harkens back to the, the weapon aesthetic that I've got going on for Cultic. So that's that's always nice to see. Yeah, Fallen Ace is really interesting, but it's been taking like, forever. I feel like they they debuted it last year, right, or at Realms Deep. Uh, I think it was independent when they, it was Fallen Angels when they were first kind of getting ready to show it off. And then sometime in that time frame between when we knew it was going to be part of the show and when it debuted, New Blood picked it up and it became Fallen Aces. Oh, okay. Um, like, Dave had sent me some kind of weird cryptic message. Dave is, like, really weird about doing this where he'll just send me shit that, like, I don't know what the fuck you mean. And then I'm like, oh, like a few weeks later. I get it now. But he sent me, like, this thing with, like, cards flying everywhere. And I was like, what the hell is that, is that supposed to mean? And I guess he was trying to cryptically tell me, like, oh, it's Fallen Aces now, bitch. Ah. Nice. Were the cards all aces? Would the, should this have been obvious from this from the get-go? Well, it wouldn't have been obvious because I knew the game was Fallen Angels. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got me there. Uh, I don't know. He was just—I guess he was just fucking with my brain. But that's Dave for you. Yeah, I uh, the the thing that actually kicked off my my so like I just started working on Cultic in January of this year, mm-hmm. um, and the thing that really like kicked it back off again was I finally played. Um, the, oh God, now I'm going to sound like an ADX. I can't remember what it's called. Um, the, there's a, a, a blood campaign, like a, a blood mod campaign. That's like really, really popular. And I don't know why I can't remember what it's called right now. And it's going to drive me nuts. Um, but anyway, um, there's a, a YouTuber that I watch that does uh, like retro game reviews and he played through it. And I was like, I wasn't even aware there were mod campaigns for, Blood, which I guess I should have guessed because there's mod campaigns for pretty much every retro shooter out there. Um, but I gave, you know, I played through that and I was like, all right, like I need to give this, I need to try this again. And can you kind of get into a bit of the theme of the game? I mean, it's cultic. We get that, but like, is there any particular thing that makes that, that part of it stand out? Is there a story behind that? Yeah. So um, I won't get too big into the campaign because so much of it's going to, you know, it's, it's the story is probably going to change a lot as I as I continue to develop it. Mm-hmm. Um, but more or less, Death Wish—that's the name of the blood campaign. Thank you. Oh God, yeah, geez. yeah. Death Wish. Okay, if you haven't played Death Wish, play it. It's phenomenal. It's great. Um, so the basic the basic premise behind Coltic is that um, there's been like a rash, just like a string of of missing persons and kidnappings in the area, just like tons of people just mysteriously vanishing, never to be seen again. And uh, you as this uh, kind of this like 
rogue uh, detective investigator type person. Like I said, uh, story details kind of still getting hashed out. Mm-hmm. You basically go to like investigate this to try to figure out what's going on. And, and you kind of start to trace all of this activity back to one area surrounding this, this kind of uh, like this, this asylum, this and it has this big compound around it. And it's supposed to be abandoned. But as you, as your, as your character arrives there to kind of check out what's going on, uh, he's immediately found and shot dead. Uh, so beginning of the game, before you even play, you die. That's just, you know, a really, really tough game like that. Um, but the uh, what you had actually stumbled onto was pretty much the height of this this cult that's been gathering and the height of their activity where they are going to be performing a ritual to try to summon a kind of just an ancient, an ancient force, an ancient evil uh, from the earth. And what they uh, what they unwittingly do uh, when this ritual happens is they, they release just an absolute cascade of, of forces and, and spirits. You don't, don't really call them like demons or anything outright, but, um, and these are, these forces are what are possessing these cultists and they're kind of willing vessels for the forces. But as you lay in this mass grave dying from this, uh, from this just gunshot wound through the chest, uh, one of these forces uh, decides to latch onto your character um, effectively bringing back to the dead one very pissed off, uh, you know, rogue, rogue detective, rogue agent. Um, and so that was kind of the premise that I was working with coming into this. The, uh, the idea of your character, like waking up in this mass grave with nothing but like, like a hatchet that he kind of gets off of, uh, off of a chopping block nearby. Uh, and then he just kind of is like, well, like I'm, I'm in the thick of it now. And you, and you just like, the first thing you see is just this compound and you just, you walk into it and you just start just start tearing it up, just start, just start ravaging this cult that, you know, so rudely ended your life. And so it kind of, it kind of plays off of that, like that, like doom guy energy of just like, you know, an entity that's just too pissed off to die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, that's where the, the, the whole story like took shape was that, you know, it's just, you're, you're just exacting your revenge and what, you know, whether there's going to be angles of um, like a personal involvement here and maybe, maybe they've, you know, maybe they've, kidnap somebody a loved one of, the, of this particular person or or whether it's purely just his like his duty to the force uh the, the police force not the like cosmic force or anything that that disney would get mad at me for saying um you know he's just kind of drawn there to try to to try to get this all knocked out the story is very much in limbo right now i'm still uh, i'm still just working on trying to get to feature lock really um and just get something that's, that feels good to play a bunch of systems that work well together um and then you know trying to work with with the team to uh, to kind of flesh out the story. Because story writing is definitely one of my weaker points, I'll admit, alongside level design. Um, my my former game development career, so to speak, was a lot of um, a lot of just like one-off ideas that I'd put together to see how it played, and then I'd move on to something else. Or um, a, a couple of the larger games I made or started working on were roguelites. So it was building a lot of like smaller set pieces and then mm-hmm. letting a procedural engine stitch them together. Um, but nothing that really had much of like lore behind it or like large sweeping levels for characters to walk through. So a lot of this is very new to me, um, which is why it's been great having the support of the team to like bounce ideas off of and whatnot, um, which, I, you know, I've kind of been able to do a little bit of that on, on, on like Twitter. But the problem with that is you get, uh, you know, for every for every one good suggestion you might get, you get, you know, 100 others that. Um, are just, you know, just folks seeing what they want to see in the game instead of considering the game for what it is and what would fit in that game. And you start getting suggestions for stuff that, you know, just wouldn't work in your game. And, and then I feel bad, like, having to shoot people down because I appreciate their input, but, like, 
like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not adding that to my game. Um, and so it's really nice working with a team who's familiar with Coltic um, and who's kind of familiar with my goals uh, for what I want the game to look like and kind of help shape that, um, especially in the areas that I'm that I'm a little weaker in. So that's been that's been a great help. Uh, I don't know if that answers the original question because I think I've rambled enough that I forgot what the original question was. Uh, well, but, but there you go. You completely answered the question. What's the background of the story? And then you right. just kept, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. just okay, ran well, with go. it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, tangential. Uh, I'm pretty pissed off at Chris Ryan for taking the name tangentially speaking for his podcast before I got around to it. But, uh, yeah, that's rough. No, that's fine. Uh, we have a good name too. But yeah, the the story itself uh, has its own unique twist, I guess, in, in the beginning there. But it, there are some pretty common tropes um, involved. And I was wondering, is there any particular story influence uh, that brought you to that theme in general? I, I can think of a few other kind of similar stories. I mean, obviously, there's the, the Lovecraft uh, stuff with the cults trying to summon demons. There's Arx Fatalis. There's Faith. There's, you know, it, it's not the most original, I guess, you know, idea in the world right. to infiltrate a cult. But um, what were your influences? I'm curious. So um, like the original, I mean, obviously the original influence for like the game and the, the, the themes of the game as a whole was all very much from blood. You know, everything's mm-hmm. everything's horror themed. Everything's got a very like like grungy, gritty atmosphere to it. And you're just kind of playing as this character who seemingly is on is on like a rampage, you know. Um, but as far as like the story itself goes, um, part of it, which is actually an idea that I, I think is probably going to wind up on the chopping on the on the on the chopping block, um, was uh, if you played the the Shadow Warrior uh, read the 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 remake from what was that twenty when did that come out twenty twenty twelve twenty twelve twenty thirteen that kind of yeah. time frame but the, the um, digital version yeah so that and then um, Shadows of the Damned if you've played either of those um, they're both kind of feature this like. <laughs> this like demonic spirit sidekick character um, who's kind of there as like a, like a comic relief, but also as a vessel to explore kind of like, as like a, uh, like a, de- a story device to explain why your character has supernatural abilities. And so my original idea um, was kind of that when, when the cult kind of cracked open this, this portal to this other dimension and all these, all these, all these entities came forth. This one that latched onto your character because you weren't a willing vessel for them is kind of like wrestling with the protagonist for control. And so you've kind of got this, like this really annoyed like entity or demon or whatever latched onto you that, that kind of is giving you power and giving you the ability to soak up all these bullets. Um, But at the same time kind of just exists as like a, like a comic relief side character. Uh, But then I realized that my, my writing for comedy was a little too weak to pull that <laughs> off. Uh, and, and so that kind of fell by the wayside, but so I started to morph that idea and I was like, well, I don't know that I really want the game to be a comedy. Like shadows of the damned is, is a, is, is a, I think it's a, it's a suit of 51 game if I remember right. And, and that kind of just like lends it to this, this absolutely surreal. And if I'm wrong on that, I'm really sorry, but it kind of lends itself to this like surreal over the top, like just chaotic comedy. And I was like, I didn't I don't, I can't pull that off. So it kind of, I kind of morphed the story into, well, I still, I still really like the idea of your character. Just like the game starts with, you know, you, you're obviously way out of your depth. You're just, you're just a regular guy who goes to like figure out who goes to chase down a lead on, on, on all these kidnappings. And it's like, you're not, you're not like the, the lone soldier in Medal of Honor, right? Who manages to like end World War II single-handedly. <laughs> um, you're a regular guy who goes into this compound and gets your ass kicked. Like, you know, you walk in there to these these all these cultists and they just you know you ring the doorbell you get an axe to the chest or a bullet through the chest or, or however i decide to actually 
uh, and the and the protagonist's life. And and through this pure accident, you know, whatever whatever poor cultist who was on head chopping duty that day who didn't get around to finishing the player character off is just well, he's probably going to get fired because now he's back and he's really mad and he's got a C ninety six and a shotgun. And uh, and so you know that's that was kind of the the origin for the original story, and then just kind of been adapting it based on like well the gameplay so far is it's been so simple and just like without the player talking or anything there's just this real simplicity to to kind of sneaking around and and blowing enemies away and and uh, I decided maybe you know maybe that side character isn't really needed um, so and like I said I, everything's kind of still pending right now and uh, and we're really I'm hoping that some of the feedback from this uh, from this demo will be able to help shape the gameplay and, and the things that we need to do there while we're able to uh, kind of work on the story and things on the side. So definitely focusing on features right now still. Um, so story, story, story pending, story to come, story work in progress. So you, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were kind of off record that you, you know, you like guns. Uh, obviously I do. It's a, it's a good thing when you're making shooters to enjoy those sorts of things. I got my little my little Nerf uh, Mauser C ninety six. Well, it's not C ninety six. It's a magazine. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm a big gun guy. I just I'm not like a not like a huge collector, mainly because they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just always you know grown up playing games with guns in them and have just always really had a fascination with them. And then now uh, I'm blessed to have uh, several friends that live in in rural areas where you have enough land to actually go out and shoot cans and stuff. Um, and so yeah, I'm a I'm a, a big I really like. Uh, you know things that things that go bang, and I have a real I have a real thing for like that like uh, that like wood grain aesthetic, just like those like you know uh, like like World War II Cold War era weaponry um, and, and a little like late World War One stuff um, more than I'm into like modern like AR builds and stuff like that. Um, and so like every you know every time I every time I go to a gun show, I wind up picking up something that just that just looks cool, <laughs> and uh, you know the guy's like, oh that's a really cool. I'm like I I don't know anything about it. I just think it looks cool, so I'm just gonna. We're just going to pick that up. But uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, and the, but it definitely does help having, uh, you know, like when I was doing the animations for like the mayor's leg and stuff like that, um, I have never. Well, before last weekend, I didn't own a mayor's leg. Uh, and so like I I what would the accused like uh, like YouTube channels like like uh, like Hickok, people who just like show these guns off to kind of learn how they work. And then some of them that are available in uh, in hot dogs, horseshoes and hand grenades in VR, um, I would just go mess with them in VR to kind of learn like like how to reload them and how they kind of, how they kind of like feel to hold and stuff. And that, that kind of guy, like stuff like the Sten um, and the C96, which I've never personally fired. Um, having those references, like, you know, how does it, you know, like, how, how do you get the magazine and how much force does it take? You know, like, uh, you know, what, what kind of sounds does it make and stuff like that was uh, all of that was kind of guided by watching videos like that. And then like playing hot dogs, which, you know, is, is a phenomenal game in its own, right? If you have VR and you're a, you're a gun person, like that's a, Hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades is great. Not to not to not to draw attention away from cultic here, but uh, you, if you haven't played that, you probably should. It's it's great. Um, it's interesting. I, I'm I'm just trying to think of like how all the uh, all of all of our European and urban friends are gonna re- react to hearing all this. Yeah, I just walked into a store and bought a gun because I thought it looked cool. Like, that's unimaginable to a lot of people. But, yeah, I grew okay. up. In case we did, in case no, I was gonna say, in case we didn't mention, I'm from America, uh, from the Midwest, <laughs> from Kansas. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no guns are guns are, are pretty 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 big deal. And uh, I like I said, I, I I'm not I'm not really a hunter or anything because I'm, uh, I'm 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 too squeamish and too much of an animal guy to to hunt. But uh, but I just 
I hunt soda cans, um, old, old milk jugs full of water, you know, anything I can put on a fence and knock down, stuff like that. Uh, carve pumpkins with a shotgun every year on Halloween time. So, you know, but, uh, sounds yeah, like you're a real danger to society. Oh yeah. Big time. Oh. But it is, it is fun in the 3d realms discord. Every time I share like, Oh, I just bought this and everyone's like, huh? What? So it's uh, but it's yeah. fun. Sometimes I forget that that's, that's such a weird thing. And you know, outside of, outside of the United States, just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to a gun show today and we'll just, it'll, it'll be a good time. It'll be fun. I, uh, I was going to mention like, I'm, I'm from South Alabama. So literally I knew how to fire a gun before I knew how to tie my own shoes. Like that, yeah. that was just kind of part of the culture. Like it was part of being a young boy is like, well, you better learn how to shoot a gun, son. Okay. Thanks dad. Um, and I'm not nearly as like into it now that I'm an adult, I guess maybe because I just was always around it as a kid. It's not special to me. It's not like there's no era of fascination, but you know, I definitely always loved gun culture. Hunting was big for us, you know, like a turkey hunt, uh, dove hunting every year. Yeah. Deer hunting. Uh, I was never big into the deer hunting, but I did kill my first deer when I was like eight years old. <laughs> uh, yeah. I said, I, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a, like a unique spot because I, I really enjoy shooting and I really enjoy uh, venison and deer jerky, but mm-hmm. I am entirely too squeamish to uh, to do it myself. <laughs> I just I'm I'm a big animal person. Vol- you know, uh, before COVID, I volunteered at like the local shelter a lot. Really love animals, uh, but I'm also incredibly like squeamish, and so that's uh, that just was well, probably wasn't ever going to work out in my favor. Um, plus, wait until you, know, you get hungry. That's right. I'm desperate. <laughs> no. Oh, so luckily hungry and desperate is just when I, uh, that's when I open up each street. So it's <laughs> easy peasy. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a big part of the game though. And, and there's certain people who really take care. Like I'm thinking of like Gloomwood, they took a lot of care to make sure the guns were like super accurate and everything. Whereas yeah. you know, most games are just like shotgun, assault yeah. rifle, like whatever. Um, you're, you're definitely putting a lot into this and it was, is this just like kind of stuff, you know, through your own fascination or are you doing research? Or? Um, so I'm, I'm still learning and uh, I still get stuff wrong. I, I already had, I had somebody point out that my, my Sten reload at, at this time is actually inaccurate. Um, <laughs> I think the, uh, the Sten reload has a, has a bolt hold open. Um, and I'm, if I'm using wrong terms here, I, I just started my, my gun collection like a year ago, so I'm still learning. Um, but, uh, so I have it when the Sten, if you run the Sten completely dry, instead of just swapping the magazine, you actually swap the mag and then you have to charge the bolt. And somebody pointed out that, uh, I guess when a Sten runs dry, the bolt is actually held open. Um, and so you just have to release it. So I need to, uh, A, go verify that and then B, maybe fix my animation. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not like trying to be super accurate about everything just because like, there's gotta be like that gap between, you know, this isn't a realistic game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your character can jump like eight feet straight up in the air and, and soak down shotgun blast to the face. So like, it's not, it's not gonna be super realistic, but you know, some people take the gun thing seriously. And if it's easy enough thing for me to change this early in development, I may as well. Um, but no, I, I grew up mostly just thinking guns were really cool from video games, you know, playing just, uh, everything from, you know, I started out just playing, you know, like super Metroid and, and, and Zelda on the super Nintendo. But as we got into like the PlayStation era, getting to play like Medal of honor and mess around with all of those world war two weapons. Um, and then, you know, so, and then like Metal Gear solid, uh, was really cool. Uh, one of the games I played a ton growing up, Metal Gear solid three, especially. And so I always thought that like guns were neat. I had a ton of toy guns. So I go play pretend outside with my friends all the time. <laughs> um, got, I actually had a cop, uh, pulling like stop me one time as a kid. Cause I had this like, this black Beretta 
um, just toy gun. It was just a little like click. You just click the trigger and that's all. It didn't do anything. But the orange safety cap had fallen off of it. And so it looked very realistic. And so when I was uh, when I was like 10 or eight years old, I was probably eight. It was like third grade. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Uh, I was out front playing with a friend of mine uh, from the neighborhood and we were just playing some pretend cops and robbers kind of thing. And I had that gun and the police officer like stopped and like turned his lights on. And I was like, I'm going to get grounded. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Uh, and then he's just like, uh, what you got there? And I was like, it's just a toy. And he's like, okay, well, it looks pretty realistic. Uh, and then I told my parents about it and uh, my, they had no idea the orange cat fell off and they were, they were mortified. So that was, that was it. But anyway, so uh, as I got into like uh, middle school, high school, I, I actually made some friends because I moved uh, to kind of a more rural area. And so I made some friends who uh, had farms and they had shotguns and 22s. And so I got to go shoot for the first time, like actual guns. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. Uh, and then, you know, I lived in town, so it wasn't anything I was going to be able to do myself. Um, so it's uh so anyway, so then finally as an adult, um, I'm able to kind of, I'm just now kind of at the point where I have the disposable income to start up my gun collection. Um, and so it's, it's turning into something I'm trying, I'm trying to learn more about it. I get stuff wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm not a professional. Um, I, I feel like I don't mix up, uh, I don't mix up Clipper magazine anymore, even in the more, uh, the cases that are a little more distinct, like, you know, M1 Garens, uh, you know, Clip versus magazine on those. But, um, they used to be something I would just call everything a clip. And my friend who is very, knowledgeable on guns would always just like cringe and then get mad at me and then correct me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Every yeah. game I've ever played ever has called it a clip. Doom called them clips. This is where I learned from. All right. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, do we really have to get into this debate about it? Kind of like, but yeah, everybody's got their thing. Every, every like purist has got their like, well, that's the mark of a noob kind of uh, nomenclature. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You're a metal guy and you, you don't like, Oh, you don't, you don't know who you don't know who, uh, yeah. Exactly. Know, name some weird like Scandinavian, no one ever heard of them, black metal band, and then oh, you're not real metalhead if you don't know who that are. Loser. I used like, to think like I used to get really annoyed when my buddy would correct me on it, but now I I think I'm becoming that guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stop myself, but like you know, like my friends will be, they'll be like, oh man, this like that gun. Like I just bought uh, I, I bought a, an M1600 recently, which is like a, a, a 22 rifle pretending to be an M16, and uh, I was showing them the, the magazine looks like a five, five, six magazine until you pull it out. And then it just like tapers down to a little 22 mag and, you know, just like showed it to my friends and somebody immediately was like, I was like, Oh, so I've got a really small clip in there. I'm just like, yep, it sure does. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. That guy annoyed me when I was younger, but I also understand that it's a lot more important to some people than it is for me. And so like, if I, if, if there's a small niche part of the market where like, firearm accuracy is important to them and it's easy for, i mean all, literally all i have to do is remove a couple of frames from the animation and redo the sound effect and then it's it's you know accurate so stuff like that you know if it makes some people happy um it may as well add it you know it doesn't really hurt, hurt anybody and i and i try to take that philosophy with game design in general um because i know that there's like little things that make a big difference to me um and so like you know, I, it's, it, I've only I've only like released a few games and they're all just like little game jam games. But I really tried to cater to, you know, someone I like I don't use invert Y, invert Y axis. I never have. Um, but like I released a, game, a little just demo game one time and somebody was like, I can't play this without invert Y. And I was like, well, I can, I can add that. That's just a toggle and a, and a negative sign. So yep. I just like threw that in there real quick because like it's important to somebody. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things that I, I don't want to, you know. 
I, I don't want to offend anybody by, you know, pretending that I'm like, oh, look at all these authentic guns I added to the game. And then I completely screw something up about them. But uh, the capacities are not going to be realistic because uh, that's just something we're going to have to deal with. <laughs> but like I, I, I've upped to the, the Sten magazine's capacity a couple of times because the, uh, the like the default capacity for them just like didn't feel you would only mow down a few enemies and have to reload and that doesn't feel good at all but um i also really enjoy reloading as like as a game mechanic uh versus like you know games like like doom where or like blood where you could fire infinitely um well into your ammo pool infinitely into your ammo pool rather Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's just kind of like striking a balance there where it's it's fun but not you know super realistic and that's something you learn from playing hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades is how difficult it is. I'm not going to plug that game all night, but uh, how difficult it is to reload guns in duress. Uh, and it's <laughs> especially funny when you're playing like VR games with like a, a group of friends and you're like casting it to the TV and like in the VR headset, you're like under fire and you're like crouched behind cover and you're like trying to like reload your shotgun. And to you, it's all very intense and all very cool. But to your friends who are just watching you on TV, you're just like huddled over in the corner making little little motions with your with your VR uh, controllers and it's just it's just hilarious but yeah you get so it's like you get to learn how difficult like reloading under duress is and that's one of those things like it's uh is it realistic sure is it fun eh. <laughs> it so so it can be it can be frustrating so um anyway again I mean, kind I'm, of getting off a tangent i feel but. like it's more difficult probably to do it in vr than it is to do it in real life definitely yeah, yeah. you don't have that that feedback of like physical yeah, physical cl- collisions cl- and whatnot i was just Plus, watching uh, the- Oh, sorry. I was going to say, plus in real life, if you, uh, if you miss the mag well just a little bit, uh, it'll usually just slide in. Whereas in, in, in a game with a physics engine, it starts to just kind of freak out and go all over the place. So it's a big difference. I, I was watching the army of darkness yesterday with some friends and, you know, there's a lot of goofy stuff, but there's a, you know, several scenes in that movie where Ash does these very unrealistic, uh, double barrel shotgun reloads uh-huh. right? where it's like, he just fired three rounds. I swear he did. And they're like, well, they in the cut, like literally, if you pay attention in the cut, they like edited in like the sound of a reload, so that they never have to show I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but that reminded me of when I was, uh, I was probably like eighteen or something like that. Uh, I was getting into, oh, I wanted to be a pro wrestler really bad, so I had this trainer, and we were kind of talking about the uh, the suspension of disbelief involved in pro wrestling and you know magic and cinema and all this stuff. And you're just like, you know, when you watch a movie and you know, this, this revolver they're shooting has six rounds, but they keep shooting, you know, throughout the whole thing. His philosophy on it was like, that's necessary because it reminds the audience like that this isn't real. You know, this is just make believe. You don't have to take it so fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's what, I don't know why it reminded me of that, but yeah, like that's like, there's a fine line between fun and, and realistic for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing fun about warfare, right? That, but right. you can make it fun in a video game setting, I guess. My uh, my girlfriend, I think, has gotten so used to me making those comments during movies where like somebody has obviously fired more rounds than the capacity of that gun, and so she'll will be watching something and somebody will be you know popping off shots, and then she'll look over and she'll be like, "Would that gun be empty by now?" And I'm like, "Probably." <laughs> I think I think one of my favorite uh, instances of like like uh, firearm inaccuracy is uh is from from The Walking Dead actually. There's a scene, and I'm, I'm trying to spoil it, although this you know, came out, this episode would have aired like eight years ago, so probably should have watched it by now, but there's a scene in one of the seasons where uh, the protagonist, uh, Rick, has to, has, to, has to kill one of his, one of his own, like his friends, because mm-hmm. they've, they've been bitten and they're going to turn. And, and if, for those of you who haven't seen it, Rick's like, iconic weapon is, is uh, I believe it's a python, a Colt python. Um, 
And I'm, I'm going to look that up right now uh, <laughs> so I don't get this wrong. Uh, yeah, okay, it's a Colt Python. So it's, it's this big revolver, right? And so it's this really dramatic, drawn-out scene. This character's been bitten. You know, this is a character that's been with us for many seasons. And and they know that, like, Rick's going to have to put them down. And so it's, you know, like, everyone's hugging, saying goodbye, crying. And then, you know, Rick dramatically, like, puts the barrel of the gun up to this person, this character's head. And then, like, the camera, like, pans out of the room. And then you just hear the gunshot. But the, the, the audio sample that they used for the gunshot is very clearly of a gun firing and then a casing hitting the floor. Which, if it's a revolver, they don't eject casings, you know, because they, they stay in the cylinder. And so I just, I remember that just like, just like, just like yanking me right out of the moment. I was like, wait a second. And of course, every sane person on the planet just enjoyed the scene for what it was. <laughs> so. There's the possibility that he just, you know, popped open. That's true. He was so disgusted the with casing, that shot, right? he had to immediately eject the casing. That's don't probably, get... you're right. That's probably what happened. I'm going to need to see, the, I'm going to need to see the AMC speed edit of Rick <laughs> shooting and immediately ejecting that casing. <laughs> Um, I don't know, it's 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 possible, but yeah, I I really do think that's an interesting topic we can dive a lot into. There's a lot of instances. The Walking Dead, for a good example, one that really pisses me off is the the crossbow. Norman Reedus's crossbow always uh-huh. like the bolt stays in the zombie's head, like as if that's what happens, where they just poke you out the other side and stop. Like, no, it would go right through them. I don't think anyone here is... No one on The Walking Dead has ever actually fired a crossbow, apparently. But. The hard part's over. You're already through the skull. Yeah. There's be nothing stopping it. Now. I know. Uh, but, you know, it's it's, it's entertainment. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, and it looks a lot cooler if it's sticking in their head. And then it's ma- right. much easier for him to go retrieve it and save his bolts. So yeah. zombie apocalypse has to have some good... Uh, some convenience for the sufferers who have That's to survive right. through it. Yeah. That's a funny, a funny bit of like uh, of realism. Kind of crosses over to like you know in in uh, in blood. Your your mm-hmm. your pistol in that game was it was a flare gun, a single shot flare gun. That reminded mm-hmm. me uh, one of the things we. So my friends and I will come over. We play hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades. This is the last time I'm going to plug it. I think. And uh, we'll just like. What we'll game just... is it you're designing again? Oh. <laughs> uh, this thing, this whole thing has been an elaborate marketing ruse <laughs> for uh, for uh, for hot dogs. That's it. Uh, the entire cultic arsenal is actually in hot dogs. So I did a, I did a cultic run the other day. It was really fun. But anyway, we'll just like, we'll set up the arena and we'll just like spawn a gun loadout that we think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And we'll just like see, we'll take turns putting on the headset and see if we can go the longest with that, with that loadout. And I think my favorite one was my buddy uh, in hot dogs. You have like body holster slots that you can like stick guns to. And you can, so instead of an inventory, you have like a physical like loadout that you can pull things off your body. And he just, he spawned in like eight, single shot 12 gauge flare guns which you can put a single shotgun shell and then you have to crack it open dump the shell out put a new shell in and then close it and then cock it and then you can fire it again and he just like spawned eight of those and strapped them to his chest and those he he, like pulls them out and takes one shot and then throws it and pulls another out and takes a shot and then throws it and then between each wave he's going around and frantically picking all the guns back up and trying to quickly reload them all and it was it was so good Oh, it's just like stuff like that. It's just it's so funny because you you know you don't think about it uh, when you watch like an action movie. Not that there's any action movies of somebody using a single shot flare gun to fire shotgun shells, but or if there is, I haven't seen it and I need to. <laughs> but you know, you know, that that's like kind of so crazily stupid that <laughs> it derailed my <laughs> ability to interview. <laughs> Cultic, crazily stupid. First review. There it is. <laughs> No, it's cool. Uh, 
with with Coltic, let's just try to get back into Coltic again. Okay. I guess a little bit. Do you do you feel like there's any particular mechanic or thing about the gameplay that will make it stand out from all the other boomer shooters that are now on the market or, or just even the classics like what makes it different from blood for the player yeah that's um it's it's something i thought a lot about i gotta say like the biggest thing if i had to like pick one phrase to describe what my life has been like since uh, 3d realms reached out to me it's uh, imposter syndrome you know mm-hmm. like like uh, i uh, now that i've started to kind of expand on twitter I've started to connect with and follow more and more people who are also working on, on boomer shooters. And I see so many projects that just look phenomenal. And, and it, you know, it just, it makes me just be like, wow, like I like cult that cannot stack up to these. So I try to think in that terms, like, okay, like what am I going to bring to the market? And so, and so one thing that I think I have going for me that's unique is, is the entire um, artistic style of cultic from the art to the, to the sound design is that everything is kind of there to emulate um, to emulate like the older era of video games um, where they were working with technical limitations, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's poly counts or, uh, or number of instances on screen or color or color counts, you know? And so like, you've got the color palette um, that everything kind of, kind of works with. And that, and that color palette isn't just like a, it's not just like a lazy conversion where I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to take this photo and convert it into, into this color. Cause with that many colors, um, you have to start designing things differently, like the like the 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 demo level for Coltic, which at this time of recording will be will be available, you know, or at the time of this airs. Um, I have to make sure that like I do a color distinction between the ground and the walls, otherwise they all blend together because this game doesn't use like uh, like realistic lighting. Um, and so you know a lot of like the 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 wall design, I I, I lean towards like towards like blues. Uh, like blues and yellows and then the ground is all like browns and reds and so it creates a very distinct contrast between the two so it's not just like um th- there was this there was this point when like when like pixel like indie pixel games were super duper popular um like a handful of years back and it kind of spawned there were some games that did it really really well and then there were some games where it was just like oh i'm just gonna make my all of my characters like 16 pixels tall and they're going to have one pixel thick limbs. And that's, that's me doing the art style. Like I did it. I made the aesthetic and that's like, it, it's, it's, it's missing the point entirely of what makes pixel art work well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so this is kind of one of those things. I feel like Coltic takes the limitations that it's trying to emulate, but still uses the, it takes advantage of like, of like unity as a modern game engine to still present something that is like aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, I still do make, uh, I still do make effect of like of in-game lighting. It's not like super realistic, real time with real time shadows and stuff. But you know, I do. I you know, there's baked in lighting and uh, and you know a little bit of like ambient occlusion to soften and uh, darken up some edges around objects. There's a little bit of bloom going on to kind of uh, which actually has a really interesting effect uh, when you combine it with like the color palette. Um, but then also like the audio is is all is all bit crushed. Um, but it's not just lazily bit crushed. I don't just throw it through a filter and call it a day. Um, like I, I design the sounds first as as full high fidelity sound effects, mm-hmm. um, and then and then they get and then I go through and I bit crush them. But then I take that bit crush sample and I go back and I tweak all of the all the frequencies on it so that it's still it's still a punchy sound. It's still a crispy sound. It's not just something that gets lost in 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 the bit crushing. So it's like you know you you take what was what makes the aesthetic work just like that crunchiness, but then you still, um, you still kind of make it appealing to, to modern day players. Um, and then like the, the soundtrack for Coltic is, is partially composed of a custom sound font that I put together um, where I took high quality orchestral samples and whatnot 
and did the same thing, you know, processed their, uh, took the high fidelity samples, bit crushed them, uh, adjusted all the frequencies manually, kind of mastered them, and then built them into a custom sound font. So that's, you know, you're slow. And so that's kind of emulating like like a MIDI sound font based uh, soundtrack. If you didn't have the CD audio, you know, for your game, um, you'd use the MIDI soundtrack. And so it's kind of, again, that emulating the MIDI, but still making it sound good so it can be enjoyable for, for modern on. So that's, I'd say that that's one of the big strengths of it is just like the the experience or like the aesthetics overall um, is very much designed to be like nostalgic um, and kind of present this like retro experience. Um, but then it is also still, I, I put a lot of time and a lot of love into it. You know, I, I still want it to look good um, and look cohesive. Um, and so that's one point. And the second is just like that. Um, and again, since people will be playing the demo at this time, maybe they'll completely prove me wrong on this, but um, I just, I just think it's, it's the gameplay is just really, really fun, which is probably, <laughs> Uh, probably a really vague and stupid thing to say about the game, but why, like, you know, but like, it's, um, what the, about the it? Di- the difficulty is like, I don't know if you ever played stalker on like the hardest difficulty. Um, but like stalker, um, was interesting. Cause like on the easier difficulties, um, you're spongy, but so are the enemies. It's like damage mm-hmm. just gets scaled down. And on the high difficulties, you can get killed in two shots, but so can the enemies. And, and I lean into that kind of thing a little bit with Cultic, where like most of the enemies can be taken down with, with a well-placed shotgun blast or a few shots from afar, you know? Um, they're not like crazy, spongy, um, like looter-shooter enemies. But at the same time, if you walk out into a wide-open arena, you'll get torn to pieces as well. So it kind of has that 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 more more brutal difficulty that like Doom 2016 uh, was, was popularizing, where you have to stay on your feet, you have to take advantage of the environment, or enemies will just tear you apart. Um, and so Colts it's the same way, you know, so it's, it's the, the gameplay can be very fast paced, um, or you, and you can run around and slide around and hop between cover and, and destroy enemies, or you can do it methodically. You know, you can, you can scope out most areas before you walk in, um, and get, you know, get some dynamite in play before the enemies even see you and then get a couple of well-placed magnum shots to pick, you know, a firearm wielding enemy off from distance. And you can kind of take care of those combat scenarios, uh, how you choose. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, one of the strengths it has for the gameplay is it's not, you know, it's not all just, you get chucked into an arena, 15 monster closets open up and you, and you're just, you know, it's just like have fun. Uh, so I, I think that's another strength that has going for it. It's just like that, that just very quick, like, like enemies can, can blow you up in a second and you can blow them up in a second. Um, and so it's not, you know, it's not as brutal as like, um, Oh, like, uh, Oh, why can I not think of any names today? Uh, Hotline Miami, you know, where oh, yeah. it's like it's, it's like it's like stay on your feet, one mistake, you're dead. It's not it's not quite quite like that. Ghost but, Runner, you know. yeah, yeah, that, that's the other one I was trying to think of. Uh, but yeah, it's so I think that's something people are really going to enjoy too. Um, but I think so far, it's especially the thing that really seems to resonate with folks on Twitter. It is like it's just the art style and the overall aesthetic. Um, that's all they've seen so far too. Is that all, all they know is the art style? Yeah, that's true. But, but, but as of today, th- <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff I'm really hoping we'll be able to get into the game. Like I really, really, really want to add co-op. The disclaimer: this is not a promise that co-op is coming. But I think that like co-op like easily like doubles the like playability of a game or the oh, uh, like sure. the, the playtime of a game. And uh, and I maybe I'm biased because all my buddies are great to play co-op with. So, <laughs> but um, I just like I the entire game is being coded right now with uh, with co-op in mind. And so, like, you know, all of the enemies are coded to assume that there could be more than one player at any time. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, like the the player, the player like like data storage and, and save storage 
is all based on the assumption that there can be more than one player at any given time. And so I'm really excited to hopefully like bring that to the game in the future. Um, but networking is also super duper tough and I've never, I've never released a multiplayer game before. So, um, I think that'll be another thing that'll be really unique is, uh, is just like, I know that's something that people clamor for, for dusk a lot, you know, and I've seen talk about like dusk multiplayer or co-op rather dusk co-op when, uh, dusk, dusk has a, a, like an arena FPS in dusk world. Right. My the in the keep community was like way behind that. Like we we put on a tournament, even though there's no first person like follow camera, we still did it anyway with like because we could. Mm-hmm. And there were some fantastic players like Brondo or Ceasepool, Brandflakes, uh, like really really great players of this game. But just like you know, the development wasn't really behind it. It was, it was never going to be this like epic gotcha. uh, PvP game. But I mean, co-op would be so good. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think as you said, co-op really can extend the the playtime or even convince someone to play that otherwise wouldn't, right? Yeah. So you could make a lot of sales just simply on like the fact like, oh come on, man. Well, you don't have to play it by yourself, but we'll do it together. It'll be like a fun weekend, you know. And yeah. that's huge. It, definitely. I've done a lot of games like that with my friends. Like the first time I played Bloodborne, I was way too big of a pussy to play that game by myself. And my <laughs> friend was like, Well, I'll I'll you know, I'll walk you through it. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Um and I and I had a great time. Huge. Yeah, I like I, I I've always wanted to make a good a, like just a good co-op game because I I I, I find, I'm that guy who co- I don't you know I'm not that guy who like leaves it in reviews but I'm that guy who every time I play a game I really like I'm like if only it were co-op like if only there were two people in here uh, and so being in the position where I could make that happen is exciting and so like I've been I've like designing some of the items in the game are designed with like co-op in mind like the the field kit um, kind of like the uh, cultics uh, like doctor's bag from blood um, is set up in a way where you use it uh, continuously. So like, as long as you hold down the use key, you're slowly patching yourself up with it. So if you, you know, if you're close to the end of the level, you might just give yourself like 20 hit points to get yourself through the end, or you can hold down enter and use up the entire thing at once. And so that's the, and the, like the main reason I wanted to put it together that way is I really wanted you to have the ability that like, when you go to like revive uh, a co-op p- partner, that's gone down, mm-hmm. you kind of have the option of like, how much leeway are you going to give them when they get back up? Like, are you, are you going to give them a, a pat on the ass and tell them to get back into action? Or are you actually going to, give them 50 hp to work with when they get back up you know that kind of thing and so uh, i'm really hoping that that'll be something i can add again this is not a, not a guarantee but um that's something that i've had my eyes on from the beginning um so i'm really hoping i can make that a thing uh but we'll we'll have to see well something you said earlier that really kind of stuck with me and then i wanted to explore a bit more was about how Doom 2016, and I would say far more so Doom Eternal, um, they, they do really force you to play the game the way that they want you to play it, which is, oh, you no. know, not a bad thing, necessarily. Uh, for me, it wasn't my favorite thing, because, like, I, I'm a fan of classic Doom, and we, you mentioned this a bit, about how you can kind of choose how you interact. I mean, if you've uh-huh. ever seen, like, a Decino, I'm not sure if you're aware of him, but he's a I am. Fan. Yeah, like, yeah. the way that he plays Doom, you know, playing a slaughter map, and you never fire a shot, you know, you just like bob and weave uh-huh. through all the enemies, like <laughs> float like a butterfly, sting like a bee kind of thing and, and make them all in fight and everything. And that's like 90% of the fun of doom to, to a lot of people. Um, and removing that aspect of it, I, I felt like rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Me being one of them, not that I didn't like the game. I just, it just wasn't my favorite doom game right. for sure. Um, and I think it's really cool that you're, you're making a point to allow freedom for the player, because that's what, to me, that's what games are, that's what makes games fun for me is that I can play around with them. It's playing. It's not, um, 
even if it's not a simulation of something happens in real life, it's a simulation of like, do exactly what I want you to do. I mean, I might as well just be playing a game that requires me to push the forward button and uh, progress. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Doom actually, Eternal has a lot of skill to it. Don't get me wrong. But. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really glad you said that because I have I have very strong opinions in that in that arena as it pertains to Doom Eternal. Um, so first of all, I'll, I'll start this with uh, with Cultic has infighting. So don't worry about that. Cultic uh, Cultic has infighting. Uh, actually, the last the last game I worked on before this uh, was a little arena or a little roguelite called uh, Unholy Commotion. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a goofy, just comical little, uh, just like a kind of a like a, a cute em up. It was just like a little cartoony shooter. But one of the items you could buy from did you the say cute em up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I that's, that's, that's not my term. Somebody referred to my game as that, and I loved it, so I'm sticking with it. Who, if you can figure out who said that, I will. I want the rights to that. That's. <laughs> Um, but anyway, one of the items you could buy from the shop was called, so it was you versus skeletons. All the enemies were skeletons. It was like, you were like, uh, underground in these like crypts trying to like, trying to like destroy this underground, uh, undead army that was like, uh, that was like basically ruining your ability to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were just too loud and you played as a guy in his pajamas going around killing all these skeletons. But anyway, so one of the items you could get was called a, a propaganda t-shirt. And uh, it was like a picture of like a skull, like making like the thinking face. And it said, can you really trust the undead? And if you bought that item, it doubled the enemy's chance to infight with each other if they mm-hmm. if they shot each other. So it's like a like a 10% chance to infight. And you could double it all the way up to 50% total. So you can make it so if an enemy hit another enemy, they had a one in two chance of turning on each other. Um, so infighting is just always hilarious. Um, and there was even a bug at one point. The, that game also had a C96 in it. And after you reloaded it, your character would flick the stripper clip off of the top. And that stripper clip was a one damage projectile. And there was a bug in the game for a while where uh, enemies could infight with that stripper clip. Um, because any 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 entity that is an actor in the game has a team ID. And uh, there's a value you can set it to like negative one to make enemies ignore it. But otherwise it's like team zero is the player, team one is enemies, and then team two is like another team. And so Mm -hmm. enemies would use who attacked them and their team ID to decide how they would calculate infighting. Um, But anyway, so I forgot to set the stripper clip to zero or to negative one. And so it was still set to the enemy projectile, which was one. And so enemies would sometimes get hit with that stripper clip and they would they would turn on it like they would be like, son of a bitch. And they would go and they would they would just attack that stripper clip that was laying on the floor. And I didn't figure it out until I recorded a video of a boss fight. It's just this giant skeleton who has this huge like dinosaur jawbone sword that he carries around. And I reloaded the C96 and flicked the clip out and hit him. And you just see his big head just like look down at it because their heads do tracking. And he just walks over and starts beating the crap out of the stripper clip. It was incredible. Uh, but anyway, so Doom, Doom 2016 versus Doom Eternal and like forcing the player to play a certain way. I loved Doom 2016. Um, I thought that, you know, despite the fact that it was in some ways like an, an arena shooter, you know, you had like very, uh, very specifically designed like areas to uh, within to fight the way like with all the different weapons and all the different mods um, and the fact that you could get like scopes for some guns and, and you know, it, it like really set up a kind of a minimal way of players to play to play how they wanted. Um, so like you could go, you know, all in and just like blast everything and just you know, use your chainsaw to to recoup ammo when you needed it. Um, or there were upgrades that you could do to just be more precise. And um, in like that game, you, the upgrade system allowed you to choose your path. Like these are the weapons I like. Right. And this is how I want to use. Right. Them. Yeah. And so I love 2016. So I bought Doom Eternal on launch day, you know, just like right away. No, no questions asked. I pre-ordered and, it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I was I was really disappointed, um, uh, which I which which sucks because like like 
like audio and, and graphics wise, the game is, is gorgeous. The soundtrack's mm-hmm. incredible. The audio design is great. But like, I remember like, like my, my heart sinking into my stomach when I like walked into the first level and saw a, a glowing gun rotating on the ground instead of being like clutched in a dead Marine's hands, you know? Uh, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the, when the Arachnotron first came in and it was like, oh, you, the game says you can hit its weak point. And I was like, well, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, I didn't realize that that meant you have to hit its weak point. Yeah, like exactly. if you don't, if you don't take out the turret, you will die. Also, if you just try to shoot it and it's not weak point, you'll run out of ammo like immediately. Yep. And I was like, ooh, like I don't really like that. Uh, but you know, I was like, well, I'll try to go with it, and I tried to work around it. Um, but it's like, no, like you have to play that way. You have to play the way the game. And like you said, there is a lot of skill involved. Uh, I was playing on normal and getting my ass kicked a lot because I kept running out of ammo. And I'm I jumped people. straight in on ultra violence. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> because like, you know, I've been playing doom for a long time. This will be fun. You know? Yeah. Mm-mm. But like, yeah. I never used my chainsaw in doom 2016 because I I'm, I'm a hoarder in games like Skyrim. I never use my potions. I have a million of right. them. I never use them. What if I need right. them later? And that's always my mindset with like the chainsaw fuel. What if I need it later? So I would only use it in really sticky situations where like, crap, this gun's empty. I'm almost dead. And I've got, you know, uh, I've got a, an imp in my face or, or a hell knight in my face. Right. Oh, okay. Well, I'm mean, now I'm going to use the chainsaw, but in doom eternal, it's like, if you want, to play the game, you have to use the chainsaw. Like the gameplay is now designed around it, which for some people worked. Like some people that really clicked with them. It, it just didn't for me. And it reminded me of like um, Hitman Absolution was the mm-hmm. last time I felt that big letdown where they're like, it's like the, the biggest Hitman game to date. Play the game how you want. Like be ruthless, go in guns blazing or be a master assassin. I was like, okay. And so I, I run in first time. I'm like, oh, guns blazing, 100%. And so I go and I do the first mission. I just like run straight to the target, blow them away and then just like sprint out of there. And the game's like, okay, you did it, but you don't get any points, which you need to upgrade your stuff, like your skills and everything and your weapons. Here's how you get points. You have to play it the stealthy way. And I was like, okay, so you can't play how you want then. That's that's yeah. that was a lie. It's like, okay, if you wanna if you wanna upgrade these skills, you have to you have to do everything silently, you have to not get detected, you have to use this silenced weapon. And I was like, okay, so I can't actually play it the way I want. Um, and so that's one thing I'm really trying to avoid, like in cultic. So far, in in the levels I've worked on, uh, or level I've worked on, uh, it's uh, all of, all of the combat spaces are fairly wide open. Um, you know, there's a lot of places you can take cover. I try to make sure there's like high vantage points. Um, and then the enemies are spaced out enough and, um, the enemy attacks aren't hit scan. So if you stay on your feet and you use your dodge and your slide, you can usually avoid enemy attacks. It's one of my favorite things about the gameplay design or, or rather the enemy design is all of the enemies have a, an audible telegraph before they start shooting, um, with like most, with, you just hear like the gun, like click into position. Um, or you hear them like raise the shotgun and then like, uh, you know, like half a second after that, they start shooting. And that's just enough time for you to like dodge behind cover or like do a slide to get out of harm's way. Um, and so it does a lot. If you want to go in guns blazing and, and you can recognize all of those audio cues, you'll probably be OK. And then like the armor system in the game is designed to give players flexibility too. like if you see an encounter and you really just want to run in there with a shotgun and you've got 50 points of ballistic armor left, go for it. Those enemy shots aren't going to do anything to you until you're until oh, they won't do much to you until your armor breaks. Um, and so I'm trying I'm really trying to like just work on that, that player freedom to approach the game how they want um, there. then. To be fair, there isn't like a strict, you know, there's no like strict stealth option. There's no like, there's no like stealth kills or, or enemy detection meters. Um, but you still can set up an encounter before you piss everybody off. You know, you can, you, you can, you, you can throw dynamite unlit. So you can throw unlit dynamite into the arena to have like, you know, things that you can shoot to blow up. 
Um, and so you can you can chain those together. So if you get the drop on a group of enemies, you can throw TNT, and if they're close enough, they'll chain react each other, and you can end the encounter before anybody knows you're even there. Um, you know, so stuff like that I think is really gonna is really gonna make some of those situations fun. And uh, so yeah, I would uh, I think the original question was how is how is Cultic gonna stand out, and then we started talking about Doom Eternal, but. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that'll, that'll work in its favor. But again, uh, as, as as people are watching this and this is airing right now, hopefully uh, a bunch of folks are playing the demo and kind of telling us uh, how they feel about it. So uh, we'll kind of kind of get the uh, get to be able to dial in on people's expectations and uh, and and tune things to where it's hopefully fun for the most people. So this is the hard part. This is the part where we have to like really dive deep, and I need to know what you feel about aliens. About aliens? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I think that there's there's definitely life out there somewhere. Like the fact, you know, only um, like only Earth ever being a planet that develops like life, I think is, is really, really unlikely. Um, however, I would imagine that uh, any, any species out there that's more advanced than us and knows we're here has probably looked at our planet and been like, I'm not going there. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> nope. And... Uh, and uh, you know so, but it's it's kind of it's really an interesting thing. I'm 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 not like a like a big UFO person, but every time I hear news about UFOs, I get really excited because I'm just like, oh man, is this it? Like you know, I'm not I'm not expecting the Mars rover to find anything like like super out of the ordinary. You know, and like them finding like evidence of water on Mars is always cool. But like you know, if they said like, hey, we just found a little village on Mars, I'd be like, oh man, here we go, this is it. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I stand on it. I like X Files too. So yeah, I love the X Files. Uh, I, I guess for the reason why I'm asking, really, first of all, it's a great conversation piece. But second of all, <laughs> uh, because your game deals with cults and it deals with conspiracy and and things like that, and this is like the greatest example of of one of them to me. Is we were talking off air about uh, the government trying to keep secrets from people, and, and this is the greatest one because it's like, well, you know. The, the easier argument is like, okay, they couldn't keep uh, Bill Clinton's dick, you know, a secret, right? <laughs> Why how are they going to keep, how are they, yeah. And how are they going to keep aliens a secret? And it, it's like it, the, the natural argument is like, um, so, but they haven't kept it a secret. People have been talking about it. They haven't even tried to stop Navy pilots from talking about it. And then people just assume they're crazy and they assume that anybody who believes them is crazy. So it's like a self-fulfilling uh, defense policy. Like we don't even have to cover it up. Uh, we just have to like divert the media to kind of eh, ignore it a bit or distract from it. Uh, right. You know, let's pass that bill we've been talking about for a while. And I, <laughs> I suspect that whenever they're talking about right now, they're like, uh, oh, the, the Navy is going to go forward uh, to Congress and talk about aliens. Or talk. Well, I should say they're going to talk about UFOs. They're not saying right. aliens, which is fine that it makes sense but then uh when they do i bet you that's like you know that, that'd be like the greatest moment to like uh, let's pass that marijuana bill you know or whatever you know like just distract the public <laughs> like, and then the ufo sightings triple yes exactly i don't know why but it, it's so uh i'm more fascinated honestly by the uh the tendency of the human brain to self-justify uh, a conspiracy than I am by whether or not there's aliens like orbiting our planet or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and that's so cool. I mean, I know your name, your game is not like fully fledged out like story wise and everything, but it, it's just one of those deep psychological things about humans that infinitely, infinitely fascinates me is the, this 
tendency towards uh, cult cult behavior and and uh, conspiracy behavior. And so, with the the cult in your game, I, I am curious: is there you, you've mentioned that like they're trying to resurrect some sort of like kind of Lovecraftian entity, god kind of thing? Do you have an idea of what that might be, or what the origin story might be from that? Um. So the uh, the. <laughs> This might just kind of be like a lazy way to uh, not have to like design, you know, a, mm-hmm. like a, an actual physical entity. But um, the <laughs> this 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 uh, this force from I'm trying I'm trying to like give like too much away um, and yeah. also not talk about things that aren't decided. But I, I was really I was really um, inspired by by the uh, by Gygus from Earthbound. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. Earthbound, but uh, um, Gygus was like this really really freaky uh, boss to me because I played the game as a kid. Um, and that boss fight terrified me because it, it, it was just like, like I, the game won't tell me what he looks like. And so it's just one of those things where like, you, like your mind fills in the blanks, which is like the best kind of horror, in my opinion. I remember um, watching, uh, oh gosh, I don't, I can't remember what it was. It's probably good because I'm not going to spill it. But I, I went to see Quiet Place 2 in theaters recently. And uh, there was a trailer for another horror movie. And they revealed the monster, like they showed the creature in the trailer. I, I hate it. And, and it was so dumb because they spent the entire trailer like dodging it. Like it was in the shadows. It was clambering away. Uh, and then at the very end, they just like did that end of the trailer jump scare and they showed it clear as day. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like what, what point is there to go see the movie now? Um, and so it's one of those things where like not, you know, not knowing makes sometimes makes it more scary because your mind fills in the blanks. It's why watching like if I, I check on my home security cameras at night when they're in night vision mode, I scare myself all the time because I'm like, oh, my God, what was that? It was a bug. It is a bug every time, but uh, you know, um, and so this this force from below, from from the the beneath, what I'm call, kind of calling it right now, uh, and, and a not so nuddle, not so subtle nod to like uh, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. is that this isn't like a this isn't like a creature, so much as it is just like like a force, like just like a power, and yeah. so um, and so you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that the player. What I'm really excited about with writing this lore. Um, and with kind of coming this uh, putting the story together is that you don't necessarily ever see what this force is more so than you see what it does to people. Like you see what it does to enemies. Um, you see like what it does when it when it possesses human forms and mutates human forms. Um, and so a lot of ways it'll be like um, like like necromorphs in in Dead in uh, Dead Rising Dead Space, um, where like uh, like the necromorph has like the hive mind and everything, but. Um, like they're, they're mainly just like, like this parasitic, like spore, like this microorganism that, that morphs the host as opposed to like having its own, its own form. And, you know, de- like dead space, uh, purists who know way more about the lore than I do. Like, don't, don't crucify me for this. I'm going off for the first three games here, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where like, uh, the player is, is, is contending with this thing. That's not like, not like a physical being that they can just walk up and shoot. Right. It's, it's this, it's this, this unholy force that's kind of seeped in through this crack between dimensions that they've opened up. And so the player's goal isn't so much to, to like kill it as much as it is to like close the door. Right. Um, and so one thing I'm really excited about is designing the, the beneath what I'm calling it. And uh, is because, because I'll, the player is going to go there um, eventually the player is going to spend at least, you know, a couple of, a couple of maps like trapped in the beneath and it's going to be, I'm, I, I have no idea what that's going to look like yet. I have some images in my head. I have some ideas of how I want to do it, but like, I'm, I'm super excited to put it together. Cause like horror is like my favorite genre by far. And like audio design and stuff like that is, is one of my, is, is my favorite. And so I'm really yeah. excited to kind of start putting that together. But, um, 
but yeah, so you're, I mean, a lot of the foes that you're going to fight in this game are going to be, uh, are going to be people who open themselves up to the influence of this, of this power, um, and, and creatures that it tried to, um, that it tried to take over unwillingly. Uh, and that kind of results in more of like a, a mutation where, you know, they can't, they can't work with the host as it naturally is because they're unwilling. And so it, it, you know, it kind of morphs their body to suit its, its needs instead. Um, so the, you know, the player will have to contend with more than just cultists. Um, and so that's kind of, that's, that's kind of what we're, what, I, what I'm rolling towards here. Do you have plans for like, how you're going to set the atmosphere for like, so for instance, like, do you have a, a soundtrack kind of idea laid out or is it already there? What? Yeah, there's actually, there's actually a handful of tracks that I've already released. Um, either, so you can, if you, if you poke through my Twitter or hop on my SoundCloud, you can actually listen to them. Um, but it's a very, it's a very like, uh, like Gothic orchestral, um, so it's got like got a lot of like uh, you know like uh, tubular bells, cellos, um, a little little bit of brass uh, here and there, you know. But it's very it's very or, very gothic orchestral, and then um, and then it's got some influence of like uh, it's got some influences of um, just like like retro shooter soundtrack in there too. So mm-hmm. you've got like a tiny a tiny dose of like electronic influence in some of the uh, some of the combat tracks. Um, a little bit of a uh, little bit of rock, you know, a little bit of guitar and drum action going on. Um, so, and it's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but if you listen to it and then also just like the crunchiness of it, you know, like the, the bit crushed instruments and then like my, my custom sound font, the strings all have like a little bit of like detuning to them. So everything kind of has like an, an uneasy, like wail to it as well, as well. Um, and so that's for like the actual score for the actual soundtrack. That's kind of the, the feel I'm going for, uh, much easier to explain just listening to it than, uh, than uh than trying to like put it into words but yeah, are you composing this yourself there. yeah yep okay so do you have a like a musical background prior to game dev or um kind of alongside it um when i first started doing game development um i was like oh i'm a i'm gonna write my own music mm-hmm. and so i downloaded uh oh gosh i can't remember what it was called it was some just midi midi composer um and i was terrible i've never i haven't had a day of musical training um i couldn't read sheet music um but now in 2021 i haven't had a day of musical training i can't read sheet music <laughs> but uh i've gotten a lot better at writing things that sound good at least i think so yeah. um and so yeah no n- n- not necessarily any like formal training or college experience or anything like that but just um really just wanting to put tunes together that sound good that are probably full of like absolute like musical sins that actual composers would probably just like shake their heads at but i think it sounds good so uh, that's what i'm going with <laughs> that's uh, a big endeavor I, man i would be i would be terrified to be releasing a game working in the same company as michael markey you know um yeah that's uh that's uh, every now and again uh Every now and again, when I like when I like release a track or like uh, share a sample of something on the Discord, uh, Fred will make some kind of comment about like, "Uh oh, look out, Marky!" And I'm like, "Please stop. He is <laughs> he is twenty times the composer I will ever be. Don't even no, let's not even go there." <laughs> so, um, but no, I yeah, that's imposter syndrome again. Like that was the first. I'm like, "Oh, cool. Uh, he's also in this Discord. That's great. <laughs> that's that's gonna make me feel really good about my soundtrack." But yeah, I would say I can uh, I, I can shoot you a link here when we're done and uh, and kind of show you. Actually, I think there's a I think there's even a chat here. I can just drop it in. I see on the side of our little. Just shoot it through um, Discord to be easier. Oh, like, okay, I can do that too. It'll it'll be in my inbox when we log out of this. So gotcha. But yeah, no, this is um, it is yeah. I am composing pretty much like right now. If I were to release Coltic right now, uh, the credits would just say uh, everything me. <laughs> so uh, it's I, I'm I'm kind of a control freak, and so I I have a tendency to just like want to do everything myself and be kind of a one man army. 
Um, but working with 3D Realms has kind of given me a unique opportunity to actually kind of accept help from others. Uh, and, you know, like all the resources and all the phenomenal map designers and level designers that are on that team that I've been able to, that I'm going to be able to work with is, is super exciting. A little scary because I'm so used to doing everything myself. And so like kind of releasing some of that control is, is really hard for me to do, but I recognize that it needs to be done to make Cultic like the best game it can be. Because there's people, you know, there's folks out there that just do things better than I do. Um, and it's, it's, I have those resources available, may as well leverage them. So I'm yeah. really excited to work with, work with some of the really talented folks at, at 3D Realms to, uh, but it, it's tough, you know, it's, it's my baby, it's my project. And so letting, letting other people work on it is kind of, it's, it's something I'm getting used to. It's definitely taking getting used to now. I'm, I'm such a, I can, I can be a really bad control freak, but that's a flaw. So, you know, <laughs> it's something I should work on. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing now that I'm letting, uh, help, letting other folks hope or, uh, help, help with the game. Uh, but Let's see if this works. It might not sound so great through the recording, but uh, is it coming through? Oh, yeah, it's working. Yeah, so this track you're hearing right now is called uh, Unstoppable, and it's actually going to play on the first level during uh, a particularly large firefight. Um, so it's, That sounds like kind of derivative of something that I know. Is what is There's like a movie soundtrack that that's like almost directly derivative of i swear oh god i hope not i wasn't trying to copy anything <laughs> i didn't mean to out you right here no. <laughs> um it's like from a quentin tarantino movie. i swear i'll figure it out after the podcast and i'll shoot it to you it, it well, sounds great uh, like it's really cool and i think it's cool to be derivative and like remind players like sounds like uh, cultic is going to be canceled by a lawsuit <laughs> here very soon so no, uh, no, look no. out for that it sounds really cool, man. It's got a very different kind of, uh, almost like it's behind a wall. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like not quite all the way there at that point in the song. At least it's like sixteen seconds that we listen to. But yeah, um, well, some of that is is definitely the like the bit crushing. And one thing I really I'm really excited about is uh, I want to release uh, two different versions of the soundtrack. Uh, the the <laughs> the the crispy and the crunchy version. Um, and so I really want to release the soundtrack originally, like as, as you hear in game with all of the bit crushing and stuff intact. But then I really want to do a remaster soundtrack where I use all of the original orchestral samples and and take all of my bit crushing out and master it as like a like a full orchestral soundtrack. And maybe even uh, offer the option in game to switch between the two, kind of like a like a modern switching between MIDI and CD audio. Um, so. I mean, you already have options in there to like uh, to like adjust the render scale and stuff to, for your desired level of pix like pixelation. So, I mean, that, I think that'd be a pretty cool option. So, uh, maybe maybe we'll have that in game too. But yeah, I'm really because like I like a lot of the stuff in the game that is um, that is like down resed for stylization. Like all of the, all of the enemy models are fully 3D modeled, textured, and rigged. All of the players' first person guns are fully 3D modeled, textured, and rigged. Um, and so, like if I wanted to. If I wanted to start on Cultic 2 right now and make it a fully 3D game, I could do that because I like yeah. all the models are there. Same thing with the with the music. Like all of the original full quality samples are there. They're just being processed into this, you know, this kind of crunchy retro sound. Um, and for, so for some folks, I imagine they would prefer to listen to it originally because you know some people don't have that same rose tinted glasses feel for older, yeah. you know, the older aesthetic. And that and that's fine. And so if that you know if having the CD audio soundtrack, so to speak, helps them enjoy the game more, then I don't, I don't see any reason not to include it. So yeah, there you go, developing ideas right here on the podcast. Do you know uh, Proteus? Uh, the project, the shooter. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
So like one of the things that I really like about Proteus is they give all those options to you. You know, like they have you can play the game in like 2D sprites or you can play it in 3D models. It's up to you. And it's a literally just a turn it off or on in the menu. The other thing that they did was they have the uh, fantastic, you know, full on soundtrack, but you also have the option to select the MIDI soundtrack composed by my friend James Paddock, which is amazing. Like it's so cool. And uh that is really cool. It makes me wonder if they. It's like I haven't played Proteus yet. Uh, uh, play it, dude. Play it. Seriously, crap. Um, but I, message I, Vivi in like one of the chat, like the realms deep chat. I, he'll probably send you a key for it. Like oh, I'm not I can't, I can't do that. I have to support. I have to support them. I have to support my fellow developers. Uh, you um, support them by talking about them on interviews. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I kind of wonder from like a developer standpoint. Maybe you know this for switching between like 2D sprites and models. Do they just have two sets of assets or are those sprites like being rendered in game onto textures? So I believe they are being rendered. Yeah. Uh, in you'd, game? Have to, you'd have to talk. Yeah. I think that's, you'd have to talk to him cool. to really get the full rundown. Oh, I just hit my ups <laughs> with my foot. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to talk to him to like fully understand what the hell he's doing. Cause I'm not, a, yeah. I don't know how to program or I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about half the time. I'm just, yeah, See, smile man. and nod. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds dope, man. Yeah, I like that. Or if it, if you say a word that sounds familiar to something someone else said, I'm like, yeah, so and so did that too. Or yeah, I'm no, I uh, shooting from the hip here. Yeah, <laughs> I. So the thing about like you said, like ask for a key kind of thing. I um, that was one of the things that blew me away when I when I first got like got uh, dropped into this the the 3D realms like like a uh, team and started like talking ecosystem. To everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, is how many retro shooters and just phenomenal games i am completely behind on my backlog was terrible before all of this and now it's getting worse and cultic is making it worse i have no time to play games um which is i what can really doing. relate you know it, yeah. it's like it's my job to be aware of all this stuff right mm-hmm. and yet i'm so busy doing the podcast stuff like half the time that i'm like fuck I, like tomorrow is gonna be my big like oh shit i need to like catch up on all the games i'm in yeah. play thing yeah, and well, part of it is my fault because I say that every time, like, okay, here's here's a single player game I need to catch up on, and then I get off work, and then my buddies are like, you want to play Phasmophobia? I'm like, oh, absolutely! <laughs> like, here we go. <laughs> or hey, do you want to play Seven Days to Die for the four hundredth time? Yep, sure do. You know, it's like all like my multiplayer games, like socializing with my friends, always like feels. I have like major FOMO, like I don't I don't want to miss out on time with my friends, so I'm like, yep, you're right, let's do that. And then, like when I am like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buckle down. I'm gonna play a single player game. I go play Super Metroid again. All right, you know, I play. I jump into Skyrim and start my 900th, you know, character. You know, it's like jumping back to the oldies, the the oldie but goodies. Um, so, but yeah, no. So it's like now I like I download it. I like uh, like I shamefully hadn't hadn't played all the way through Dusk yet. Hadn't played all the way through Ion Fury yet. I'm like, okay, I need to beat these. Like I need to beat both of these games. Uh, and still working on it. Sorry guys, but uh, it's just phenomenal. Part of my, my problem with Ion Fury is all I do is use the Loverboy all the time. I don't think that's how the game was designed to be played. But I'm like, well, it's the best gun in the game. Yeah. I don't even know why there's other guns here. So, I think I beat Ion Fury in like a single weekend. I was totally floored by how great that game was. I just yeah, couldn't step fun. away from it. And it's it's actually kind of rare that a game captures me like that. You know, and that, that's a combination of like how much time do I have and all that kind of thing. But there's just some every once in a while you get one of those games that just it just hits all the right buttons and you're, you're, you'll cancel all your plans, you know? Like, yeah. That's, that's a special moment. It doesn't happen every day, but I, yeah. I like weirdly look forward to getting sick. Um, because like I am absolutely terrible about 
I'm like, I'm going to relax tonight. And then I sit down. I'm like, I should be working on something. I should be working on music. I should be working on cultic. I should be working on, you know, my house. I should be cleaning. And so like when I get sick is when I'm finally like, I'm going to sit on my ass and I'm going to play a video game. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not working today because I feel terrible. I'm not going anywhere. I, it's like my excuse to finally just like catch up on stuff. Like the other, a few weeks ago, I, uh, I got, uh, uh, I got super sick adjusting to a medication actually. And I just watched all of season two of Mandalorian because I hadn't <laughs> watched it yet. I was way behind and I just laid on the couch miserable, but watched all of Mandalorian. And I was like, my God, this is so good. Uh, more realistically. I was like, I feel like death. I'm going to die. But no, it was, I was like, but it's just. Yeah, I weird like when I start getting sick, you know, instead of I'm just usually like, excellent. Here we go. I'm fine. Like I finally got to play all the way through Dishonored 2 a while back because I, I just like I got really nasty like sinus infection. I wasn't going to go do anything. And I, I picked it up from Redbox and just this was I guess this was like two years ago. But yeah, I picked it up from Redbox and just like played it through in like in one sitting. It was great. I had like nothing else going and I was I couldn't talk really well. So there was no point in playing multiplayer games with my friends. Um, so that's so that's what I need to do. I need to go get sick more. I need to go lick more doorknobs. Is really what I should be doing. So it doesn't happen often enough. But like one of my favorite things to do uh, is watch movies, like with with groups of friends and stuff. And yep. I just you know I never really make time for it. And I, so I made it part of like an obligation. That's 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 how I do everything. Like anything that I want to do, I'll make it to where I have to do it. And so. I started up like in the keep discords movie night and I'm like, okay, well I better fucking, you know, better watch the movies. I guess I have to, yeah. Oh, oh no, gosh, this backbreaking work I have to do watching all these movies and drinking beer with my friends. Uh, all, uh, all movies that, that are legally owned by the way, just, there's nothing going on there. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I, I buy, I'm serious. Like I, I'm really big on this. Like, I mean, it, I'm just gonna be straight up with you, man. If it's like some big fucking like Disney studio bullshit, like I don't give a fuck if they take my dollar. But if it's like an indie film or something like where I feel like the the, the people behind it will actually get something out of it, I'm all for that. Same thing with music. Uh, like, you know, Led Zeppelin, they don't need my money. Yeah. I'll stream that shit on Spotify. But if it's like you know a really cool band that I think is up and coming, like I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the money to buy it. Well, so that's how I feel about um uh. Gosh dang it! What game are we just? Oh, Proteus. Proteus. That's like yeah, a lot yeah. Of stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, like I have, you know, I, I know a, a good amount of like game developers now who offer me like, like, you know, like one of my friends, uh, like Frozen Helm on 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 uh, on uh, on Twitter. Hyper Strange. Uh, no, it's uh, or is Frozenheim? No, 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 no. That's that's his name. Or maybe change it to Ice Helm. Sorry, buddy, I'm butchering you. Right oh. Now. Oh, Ice Helm, yeah. At Ice Helmet on Twitter. He makes he makes great indie games. He made mm-hmm. uh, this like mini golf themed like survival horror game. And I, I helped him like I helped him out with playtesting. Please I did send a bunch me that. Of- Please send me that. Absolutely. That sounds I I was just looking at a golf story the other day. I was like, man, this looks awesome. I really want to play this game. Yeah, it, it, uh, the name of the game is Gone Golfing. It's like four bucks on Steam and it's Fuck, a super yeah. fun play. And Alpha Beta Gamer played it if you want to watch, like if you want to get a taste of it. Um, but I voiced like almost all of the characters in that game, um, just for funsies. And then he was like, he was like, Oh, I'm gonna send you the key for the game. I'm like, screw that. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you worked, you worked your butt off on this. Um, it's actually funny. Um, there's a, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. There's a guy, there's a guy on Twitter, uh, a guy, like every time I post something, uh, this guy is great. He posts, uh, or they, I actually don't know. They post on my game and they're like, like, please let me give you money. When can I buy this? I want to give you money. Every single post is like, I want to give you money. And I like the biggest thing I can't wait about in Cultic is sending them a key so that they can't buy my game. (laughs) 
Absolutely not. You've been supporting me this whole time. Just just take the key. I I get you, but like my policy is pay it forward, right? So like if I can afford to, obviously I'm not going to go like way out of my way, but if if someone sends me a free copy of a game I, and I really like it, I'm going to go buy it for a friend. That's yeah. usually what my policy. Uh, can't always hold up to that, you know, like I, I work full time. I've got a, yeah, yeah. got a family to feed for here, but uh, by family, I mean a wife and a cat, but uh, they, the that. cat eats a lot, you know, she does. She, you know, you know what eats more than a cat? Seven dog. cats. <laughs> really? Seven? Yeah. My, uh, my, my girlfriend is, my girlfriend and I are both, uh, very, very, very impulsive when it comes to to sad, uh, helpless animals in Not shelters me. and whatnot. Not so, me. Or, but anyway, um, I, I that's what actually what I did with Gone Golfing. He actually uh, he actually did send me a key, um, and so I bought it for a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and then he and then he played it on stream. But or buy honestly, it and forward the key either way. Yeah. yeah, but honestly, it's like this: the whole like just like in January, I had like God, like less than a thousand followers on Twitter. Like it just it wasn't very active at all. Um, and, and I, I still like, don't know how to handle all of like this positive reception, just people being just like, even, even down to like the 3d realm side of it, just like, like the, the kindness and the, and the, and the, the support and, and the help that comes out of that community. And then out of, and out of Twitter, I, I don't know how to handle it. it it's too, like, I, I can't believe that I post things on Twitter and then like 20, 30, 40 people like have nice things to say. Like it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know how to repay it. And so like, that's the thing is like, like, you know, if you've like, Every single person that's commented on my Twitter, I'm like, I just let me give you a key. Like, I like, thank you so much. Like you, I, I don't know if I don't know if everyone on, on Twitter who like who supports me knows this, but it, like you're, I mean, you're going back into sappy territory. But like, you're literally like making my my dreams come true. I've wanted to be a game, you know, I've wanted to be like a game developer since I was like ten. I used to make like point and click adventures in PowerPoint, where you would just like click on buttons to go to different slides, yeah. like choose your own adventure book style. Uh, and like, and so this, this is crazy for me. It's, it's like every day I'm sitting here living out like, like my dreams, you know? And so it's, it's nutty. And so that's why I'm like, yeah, this guy's like, 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 Hey, let me give you money. I'm like, no, let me give you my game. I just, thank you. Thank you so much. How do you everybody. feel like, uh, or I should say, how do you think I feel? Right. Like I'm, I'm not even, I guess I'm a game developer now because I'm working on Call of Ragnar, but like I started this out, like I just doing a weird fucking podcast about first person shooters that I thought no one would ever really give a fuck about. Right. And then one day I get this message from Fred is like, Hey, do you want to do all of the interviews for realms deep? I'm like, I mean, how, how is that? I, I totally resonate with you. Yep. Like, yep. You know this and you know, I don't want to like, maybe it'd probably be pretty easy because he's pretty tall. I don't want to suck his dick or anything, but like he, <laughs> you know, he's just like walking around throwing opportunities around at people. Like, and it's not like he always, you know, he, he's, He's one person. He can't be aware of everything, but he's definitely. Yeah, Fred, who do you think you are? Stop changing people's lives. You son of a bitch. You (laughs) fucking tall, blonde, punk. Um, uh, Sucks because uh, I guess as of people hearing this, I'll be like, tomorrow I'm leaving his house. But (laughs) it's so cool. I uh, I have one of my favorite interactions with Fred. Um, just a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and I, if if this winds up being something we can't put in the podcast, feel free to cut it out. But it's post realm Zeep, so I think it's fine. Nah, fuck um, <laughs> he, he he told me to kind of like to kind of like put the brakes on posting on Twitter so that we had some new stuff to share. Because I'm like, oh, I was I, there, I, I was there for that. You were there for that. He's like, he's like, well, pump the brakes on this, and I'm like, okay. But I just made this video of blowing a shitload of barrels up, and he's just like. 
God fucking damn it. He's like, okay, fine. One more. One my more favorite, post. My favorite thing was that Alex is like flipping out, which Alex should be. <laughs> like, it's their job to market these products and yeah. you guys are just spoiling it all over the internet. <laughs> and and I, I kind of like, I, I kind of saw both sides of the story because I'm like, okay, I get where Alex is coming from. Like they're, they're supposed to be the head of marketing here. We've got to do this the smart way. But then you and Fred are just like, but it's so cool. Like, it's just, I want to get to 7,000 Twitter followers. I did it. I did it. Yeah. And that's just like, uh, I mean, that's the thing is that you're going to have like 10, 10 grand uh, by the end of Realm Steve easily. Who gives a fuck? Nuts. (sighs) Well, that's, uh, yeah, that that was a, that was a really fun interaction. Well, it's like, um, it's, yeah, I mean, he, he's right. It's it's hard to not want to just be like like I like I'm really excited about this and I want to share it with as many people as possible. And then like, excuse me, we talked about this briefly earlier of like what it's gonna or what it's gonna be like when I can actually now future Jason post Realms Deep talk about Cultic in its fullness, you know, like as a 3D Realms game mm-hmm. and as you know all this stuff. And uh, I just I've been doing such a good job of keeping a lid on it. Uh, like I, I mean, like the amount of people that know. Uh, is 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 very small in my personal circle, and uh, and then and then Fred just goes and retweets something of mine with hashtag RD twenty twenty one. I'm like, come on, man. Well, here's the thing: is that, like, there's a precedent set, and maybe you know, like did I don't know if you saw last year or whatever, but like, just because he says that doesn't mean that you are part of three D realms necessarily. It just means That's like, oh, yeah, he's one of the indie games that we're showing off because it's really That's cool. Fair. You know, there's there's still some mystery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw that tweet, by the way, but, um, and, and I had the same thought, but I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and Fred, you know, he, he gets off work and just goes home and gets fucking blazed up and does whatever he wants. So <laughs> that's, that's, I'm like, I, I can tell the difference. So there's, there's like morning time business Fred. And then there's like Fred in the evening where he's just like being a human being. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's honestly like I work at like, the, I think I, t- I mentioned this earlier and I'm not trying to, not trying to get too far into it, but like the 3D Realms community is, it's just what a, what a great bunch of people. Um, I it's Who's like every, every pick one. What's that? Who's your favorite pick one? Oh oh, Alex, 100. <laughs> percent Okay, I, Alex and I played Phasmophobia together, and she seduced a ghost once, and it was the most hilarious shit I've ever seen in my life, and that was it. Uh, no, like I think I think Alex and and Fred both have I've had a lot of positive interactions with, but that's not to say that uh, like uh, like. Uh, what one of the guys, Nick, uh, actually lives uh, near, like I should say, near me in Kansas too. Yeah. So like when I when I first got on uh, 3D Realms, they were like, "Hey, there's another Kansas in here." I'm like, "Are you serious? How you guys you guys are in Denmark and there's there's a there's a freaking Kansas on here? Are you kidding me?" Uh, yeah, I bonded with Chris Holden really well because we both like had like a very sh- you know short stint in pro wrestling. Like oh, we both okay. like so now we just like meet up and talk. Like every time there's like a big wrestling thing that happens, like, oh Chris, did you see this shit? Like. I don't know. It's it's feel, a great great group though. You're right. Like very diverse, like cool. Yeah, I feel like if you air this, it's going to sever uh, all, all all potential future friendships with anybody. Fuck Alex. I hate Alex. <laughs> Do not hang out with Alex. Uh, okay, we balanced it out. We're good. No. <laughs> well, I probably, I, so my my background is actually in professionally. My background is actually in graphic design and marketing. So, mm-hmm. um, like working on working on like setting up streams and talking about twitter stuff with alex and fred is really fun because that's like i don't do it anymore i switched gears into more of like a tech a tech uh role um but my college degree and my my original professional background was in like design and marketing and so that's uh 
Uh, that's all still really fun to me. It's nice to get to dip my toes back into that by making like trailers for Cultic and doing like the cover art and uh, well, not the cover art, like the box art, but like, you know, doing like the, the title and designing the UI and stuff like that is, uh, and then like doing posts on Twitter and trying to time those and like look at my analytics of like what, you know, time. So like all that stuff's uh, re- really fun for me because I actually yeah. get to use my stupid degree that's gathering dust somewhere. Yeah, I was actually just, I, I took a business and marketing class uh, recently. And it's one of the things is I'd never really, I had thought about it, but it didn't really resonate to me with how like important it was. It was just like, as you said, the time that you post on social media is extremely important. Yeah. Uh, and people, you know, some people just strike gold. You know, I don't know why they just do. They, they live in the right time zone or whatever, but like there's particular times of the day. And it's not just like when most people are on, it's like when most people interact and shit like that. Like it's, it's a whole area of research that I'm not qualified to commentate on. Yeah. But it doesn't occur to you, but you've done so well, like even before you, I mean, you were complaining earlier, like, oh, I only have 900 Twitter followers. Like, shit, I've been doing this podcast for like two years and I just got to a thousand and I was proud of myself. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't complain. I was just commenting on how much Cultic has been like a springboard for me. Like I said, I'm still, I mean, maybe I'm going to be that asshole and, 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 you know, popularity just completely goes to my head someday. But right now I'm still just floored by it. Yeah. I was out, I was actually out bowling uh, the other night when I hit 7K and I was, just, I checked my phone and I was like, oh my God. Guys, I I just hit seven thousand. I was like, blew my mind. I was like, that's crazy, and it blew my mind when I hit one thousand, and then it just kept going. Like I never would have imagined it. I <laughs> at one point, uh, so I used to post on Tumblr, right? And uh, I had a game dev blog on there, and I had gotten almost like thirty eight hundred followers, almost purely from my stupid uh, meme skeleton game, Graveyard Shift Two, that I released <laughs> a while back. Uh, and then the and then the porn purge happened on Tumblr. And like, let me make this clear. I never, I don't, I don't care if people use Tumblr for porn, you know, whatever. There was nothing pornographic on my Tumblr. Yet, half of my followers disappeared overnight. Like when everybody started getting rid of their accounts because, you know, they were unhappy with, with Tumblr's decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> apparently, people who like game dev also really like porn on Tumblr, which is great. You know, do, do what you want. Um, but so I was like, well, crap. And then it never recovered. Because you know Tumblr just se- seems. What does that least- say about the video gaming community? You know, yeah, I, I says they got their priorities straight. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> it's. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, but and so I was like, well, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to find a new platform because I, I couldn't recover the numbers. Like I kept posting, and I felt like my quality and my content got better, but like I just couldn't get the followers back. Um, and so I. I noticed uh, that some of my my peers were posting on Twitter, and like it really sucked to start over. It really sucked going from like thirty eight hundred followers down to like sixteen hundred, and then to zero on on, on Twitter. Um, and so to be where I am now, you know, actually, uh, I saw in my analytics. I was checking something in my analytics the other day because I was trying to see how many followers I had pre cultic, so I could make that comparison. And I found a, a site that like lays out your analytics and. Um, it also lists like where you are on Twitter in terms of like most popular uh, like like pages, and it's like I feel like seven thousand is so many like that's a crazy number to me, and I'm like four hundred and fifty thousandth in line in terms of popularity. There's four hundred and fifty thousand other like Twitter pages that are way more popular than mine, and so it's always a good like little perspective. Oh well, yeah, we're gonna get there though. We're we're gonna hit that thirty four million mark. You watch, it's not gonna happen. Uh, but it was just kind of, it's just kind of nuts. Like it's, 
you know, as, as much as this is mind blowing to me, like it's, it's, it could, it could go a lot further. We'll see. I figure there has to be a cap for like, uh, for like boomer shooters, right? Like there has to be a point where just like you, you hit, you've, you've, you've officially hit everybody who likes boomer shooters in the market. Which I figured would have been like three thousand followers. I'd say the only real the real gauge of that is probably just like whatever Dave Oshry and uh, and New Blood have. Like that, that's easily the most. Uh, that's certainly the biggest Twitter following I know of of mm-hmm. you know in that genre, and that's almost always how I can tell when uh, when someone someone like that like retweets something of mine is all like go to check my phone and it's like oh i have 40 twitter notifications like what happened and i go and i look and there's like 200 new followers and i'm like "Uh oh somebody popular retweeted something of mine so then i scroll through to try to find who it is that that retweeted something and every single time i'm just like oh my god like i know that person like they, they worked on this game they worked on that game and that's that that's another like like it's funny you were saying here like uh, like you know how i feel with the fred thing because he approached you about these podcasts but then like uh, for perspective, when you approached me about about redoing this podcast, I was like, "Oh my god, somebody wants to do a podcast about cultic." So I'm I'm a little starstruck just sitting here talking to you. So well, you know. well, my fa- favorite thing about it was like your first response was like, uh, "Do you work with 3D realms?" And I'm just like, <laughs> "I don't know, man. Not I, really. Not really. <laughs> like I've never experienced the wrath of Fred, and I just don't want to. You know, I gotta I gotta be careful. Well, it's just like uh, they're um, it's not that bad." I, I I won't I won't say who because I don't know if I'm allowed to. But a another uh, another publisher kind of in the sphere um, approached me about picking up Cultic, and I was like, I oh, you know I'm actually I really really flattering, really appreciate the offer, but I'm actually already working with somebody. And they asked who it was, and I was like, I don't really think I can tell you, sorry. Um, and then I went and told Fred about, it, and he was like, Oh, I know them, they're great. They're, I'm going to send him a message right now. And I was like, What did that message look like? like we got Cultic, ha! Like, what is, I don't know what that message looked like, but it's just like, so it's it's really hard for me to tell, like, like what's under wraps and what's not, you know. And so I just, I've been, I've been trying to to be so careful. And so when you're like, Do you want to do a podcast about Cultic? I'm like, I absolutely would love that. Um, let me go talk to my dad first, <laughs> make sure that he says it's okay. Um, yeah, the first thing I did when I like, because I, I, I decided this, I already have like. I haven't understood NDA here, right? Like I, I know what I should or shouldn't talk about, but I have an editing team who works under me. Who's going to do all the editing for this, these podcasts and shit. And I'm like, Hey Alex, I need to make sure it's cool. If they see it, like, I yeah. really want to do this one. Cause yours is like one of the coolest looking games that's coming out. That's being announced that I could, you know, oh, easily reach out and be like, Hey man, what's up? But yeah, I was like, I just need to make sure it's okay if Vince and Uncle Had and <laughs> and fucking uh, Alex like, the, on my team see this, you know, before yeah. it comes out. And she's like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Like, <laughs> 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 you know what happens if you fuck up? And I was like, "Yeah, I know what wait, happens wait, if I fuck up." Wait, Thanks, Mom. Realms, Alex said she didn't care. Oh man, never mind. It's not my favorite anymore. I changed uh-huh. my mind. Yeah, no, Alex is fantastic. Seriously, I know I said fuck you, Alex, earlier, and I meant it, but like I do love you. Just so we're all clear. This is uh, in case in case everybody wasn't aware. This is the podcast where we plug uh, uh, hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades, and then we worship uh, Fred and Alex a whole bunch. It's uh, it's kind of a weird podcast. Nah. <laughs> so I guess we're, we're kind of we kind of gotten to like we're almost an hour and forty minutes or whatever, but. Is there anything that um, 
really stands out to you when you were because you said you got into game design uh, game design when you were pretty young right like what did you say fifth grade yeah what were the games that like made you say this is something i really want to do like that's uh super metroid 100 okay um super metroid is like on my on my list of games it's at number one top top game of all time i love it i've played it so many times uh i first beat it when before i started kindergarten like i had super nintendo growing up um and so like it's it's my favorite game of all time and i used to um like on on paper like on construction paper graph paper i would like draw out little like side view maps of like areas like worlds i wanted to add into super metroid and stuff like that um and then like uh link to the past same way like top down views of like of like areas and so that was kind of like the it's like i always really wanted to get into get into making games my friends and i used to um we used to my friend uh uh, Nicholas and I in in like second grade we would on like in like cra- arts and crafts time in, in school we would get construction paper and we would draw like uh, like title screens for like games that we thought would be cool and then we would even so we would like draw the art whatever you can call art the second graders do anyway and we'd like draw the title and the characters and then we'd even draw like my friend Nicholas thought it was hilarious to write out the options menu so like add the options menu to our little like title screen it always made him like laugh his, his ass off and so you know it's like oh it's always been an interest but um i got in in fifth grade uh, i was in fifth grade when oh this is kind of, this is gonna be a really weird segue for this but i was in fifth grade when 9-11 happened right and a guy a Old guy ass yeah. motherfucker yeah I was in first yeah, grade. yeah you're the second podcast in a row that somehow 9-11 got brought up by the way it's so weird <laughs> well, so today <laughs> so an, a kid in a um in a, in a class above me was uh or no i take it back i think i was in Fourth, fourth grade, sorry. Because a fifth grade kid had actually made like a PowerPoint. It was like a very patriotic, like, you know, PowerPoint the year after. And um, and I was like, I was amazed that this kid that was just like a couple years older than me had made this, what I thought was a cinematic masterpiece. And, and, and you know, in reality, it was it was PowerPoint with Word Art and, and Microsoft Clip Art. But to me, I was like, holy crap, that kid made him, he made a movie. Uh, and so I, I asked him like how he did it. And he was like, oh, I just used PowerPoint. And I was like, I think we have that on the computer at home. And so I, I got into PowerPoint, started messing around. I figured out you could add. So I started out making animations in PowerPoint by setting the frame transition time to a tenth of a second, uh, which is as fast as it can go. And so it was like making like sprite movies with like metal slug sprites and stuff in PowerPoint at a tenth of a second mm-hmm. frame. So I'd, I'd make these PowerPoints that had like 300 frames in them. And they're just like going by really, really fast. And uh and then eventually I figured out you could add buttons and hyperlinks to other slides. And so I started doing like choose your own adventure. I mentioned that before. Um, and then a friend of mine, a, a guy I knew on MSN Wait, you, Messenger. Slow down. You made a choose your own adventure game in Microsoft PowerPoint? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. With clip art. Wow. Microsoft clip art. Uh-huh. That is so cool. Uh, and, uh, and then a friend of mine who I knew through MSN Messenger was making like a Mega Man X like fan game in Game Maker. Mega Man X was one of my favorite games. So I was like, how the hell did you do that? Same thing I asked this guy who made the cinematic masterpiece in PowerPoint. How the hell did you do that? And he's like, I used to use Game Maker. What the hell is Game Maker? And I go and I look it up and it's something that costs $20. And of course I didn't, I $20 is a lot of money to a, to a fifth grader. And so I did what any, uh, anybody did. And I, I bought it hundred percent legally. Um, and, uh, and then just yeah. messed around Game Maker, like five, 5.1 was my very first version and and uh it was you know and, that, and that's where i got started it was just like i downloaded a bunch of super metroid sprites off of uh like spriter's resource wasn't a thing yet um and so i just got them from you know all kinds of 
hallowed corners of the internet back then. Um, and it just started like putting those together. I didn't know how to code at all. I didn't know how gravity worked. Uh, I didn't know how to change the sprite of an object on the fly. And so like Samus facing right and Samus facing left were two totally different objects that just got swapped out. They, it was a nightmare, but like that's and then like, I didn't you know it was terrible. Uh, and it would be a couple of years probably before I ever retouched scripting at all. I was just using the drag and drop for everything. Um, but then I start. I finally got into like doing my own sprites and flash because I didn't know how to do pixel art yet. But I was half decent at animating and flash, and because I used my flash cartoons. And you know, it, and here we are. I didn't start using Unity or doing 3D at all till 2015. Um, so it's people like you make so. me feel so stupid. <laughs> and I talk. I mean, I talk to a lot of dev game devs, and and I hear people that are like, "Yeah, well, I was in like you know second grade or whatever. I was like programming shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because when I was in fifth grade, like you, you could not possibly like. There's no way I could have done any of that stuff. I was. I, people thought I was smart about Alabama standards, and I'm just like had no computer knowledge at all. It, you, if you told me to like go download Game Maker and you can make games, I wouldn't have known what the first fucking thing to do was. Like Google, I didn't even see high speed internet until like 2005. And I literally thought YouTube was just like this place where you go to watch Dragon Ball Z. And then I went home because my friend had like showed me that. And I went home and I was like, huh, YouTube. And I type it in and we had, I didn't understand this either, but we had dial up. Mm -hmm. So it took me like four days to download a Pink Floyd music video. You know what I mean? Like I, I had no technological idea at all. Nothing. Well, let me make you feel better uh, about about how how smart young Jason was. So, uh, whenever I whenever I was sick and had the flu as a kid, or like a stomach bug, uh, my mom would always set us up with like a big mixing bowl with like a Walmart bag. That was like our puke bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, young me just knew, like you know, if, we, if you're sick, you get the bowl, and that's that's what you throw up in. Uh, we weren't really the kind of family that hunched over the toilet the whole time. You know, they just they set us up on the couch. Here's your puke bowl. Here's cartoons. So young me one time uh, felt I, I was gonna, I was gonna puke. It was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna happen. Um, but I didn't I didn't know I was sick, so I didn't have a puke bucket ready. So young me runs to the kitchen. I open up the drawer or the cabinet where I know all the all the big bowls are. I grab a bowl to throw up in. That bowl was a colander. <laughs> so uh, I efficiently, in case you don't know what a colander is, uh, that's one of those bowls with a bunch of holes in the bottom that you use to strain water out of things. It's for spaghetti uh, noodles. That one. Yeah. So I, I effectively strained my vomit out for my mother. Uh, so, you know, the uh, every, all of the liquid was on the floor, uh, but at least I <laughs> saved her off. The- <laughs> so this, 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 this smart programmer you're talking to here uh, once puked in a colander as a child. And, uh, you know, I don't, uh, if my mom ever once considered, uh, you know, like aborting me as a child, it was that moment right there, as that, I, you know. <laughs> That's like one of the best scenes in uh, South Park where – Cartman's mom is trying to like get abortion legal uh, for some reason. She keeps sleeping with like every politician up to the president. And they're like, and, and finally Bill Clinton's like, how old is your son? You know, like how, no, he says, how far along are you? And she says eight years, 42nd trimester or whatever it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll just put that one. I just wanted to put that in perspective for you, you know. So it was. Uh, I was. I was a, a selectively smart child. We'll go. We'll go with that. <sighs> this has been really cool, man. I, I'm glad we got to do it, and I. I genuinely hope that we do it again, like uh, later down the line when you get when the demo will be out as we speak. But 
Oh God, are you wrapping up? Can we please not end this on the colander story? Can we? Can we? Let's. Can we put something else out there for somebody who flips straight to the end of the podcast so they don't have to hear about this idiot puked in a colander once? Well, come up with a better story then. I'll hear you out. <laughs> okay. Um, oh man. Oh, now you really put me on the spot. Oh, I don't think I have anything else for you. Oh shit. Do you want me to ask you a question? Absolutely. Let's prompt it. Okay. So, what is your? Um, your hope, you know, now you know that people are picking up the game as we speak, you know, as this is being broadcast to the world and everything in the vault of realms deep. Right. What is the, uh, what is the thing that will make you feel finally validated? Like you've made it. Um, I just like seeing people play the game and enjoy it and just, and just like, like just talk about the things they enjoy about. It. I mean, that it's, it's really, it's really like, like, like that's it. Like being like, honestly, the big thing is like, like without prompting it, having, you know, like hearing somebody talk about my game, like you're like, you're like hanging out, you know, hanging out at like a game shop, you know, and like you hear somebody off in the corner talking about what games they're playing. And some guys are like, shit, have you guys tried Cultic out yet? And I'm just, and like, that's it. Like, just like pe- people, people that aren't just like my, my wonderful supportive friends and family talking about cultic and like, you know, just like, and, and sure a lot, let's, you know, kind of selfish and self-validation kind of thing. But like, just this thing that I poured all of my time and effort and soul and free time into, and just people having fun with it and like, and, and hearing people appreciate the design decisions I made. And in order to get to this dream, I will never, ever, ever read the steam reviews <laughs> because I just, I know, I know better. I just, I don't think I I don't think I have the heart. I would, I could read, I could read a hundred good reviews for my game. And then one person who didn't like it would just crush me. And so I, I really have to brace myself for that. Cause I know that it won't, you know, it's not going to resonate with everybody, but like, you know, that's, that, that's really it. Just, I want, I want people to enjoy Coltec. I want people to like to take this thing that I've put together and just like, just, just like somebody somewhere is listening to the Coltec soundtrack in, in, in on their, on, you know, on their phone or in their, in their car, you know, somebody somewhere has Coltec favorited in steam, you know, to like the top of their list. Somebody somewhere has, Oh, there you go. The first speed, the for, first Coltec speed run. That's when I'll know I've made it. <laughs> when somebody's like, I like this game enough to try to beat it as quickly as possible. Or maybe that's what you do when you don't like a game is try to get through as quickly as possible. But that'll happen by like the end of the day today, for sure. No, you can, uh, at the moment, there's no stamina meter for sliding. So uh, you can just chain slides together all you want. So have fun with that. Your, your pants will have no ass on them by the end of it. So uh, I expect some, some nice cultic fan art of the protagonist with assless pants uh, at, at some point. That's when I'll, you know what? Scratch everything else. That's when I'll know I've made it. The first cultic rule 34. Okay. Okay. That's a good goal. I, I can support that. <laughs> Sounds like you've got your priorities straight. <laughs> we already covered that with the Tumblr things. <laughs> okay. okay I'll, I'll do the closing out part now. It has been fantastic. It has been a real pleasure to, to spend some time getting to know you and hanging out. And I hope that we get to do it again in the future when people have already done all this uh, rule 34 and in uh, their ass hanging out from sliding too much thing. Absolutely. And uh, I- I'm looking forward to just seeing you go on the journey. I- this is like one of my favorite parts about doing this is that I catch people r- like right before they're about to like hit the big time or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we'll see, we'll see. You're, I mean, you're definitely going to reach a far larger audience than the vast majority of your peers in terms of like, totally independent um 
people making boomer shooters, you know, like you got picked up by one of the coolest and most awesome producers and, and companies that you could possibly be picked up by. You get, you drew, you drew the long straw, so to speak. <laughs> uh, you're get you, just in, just specifically, you're going to get more marketing than most of them will. And that's going to be epic. Like that's going to be so good for you and so yeah. good for your game. So yeah, I still, <laughs> I still, I still sometimes like, I still can't, can't believe it. Like I, it, it boggles my mind that I'm looking at, like I look at my monitor and I've got this like 3d realms discord channel on here with, with all these, all these folks. It's, it's nuts, but yeah. Yeah. I, I too uh, have had a really good time. I appreciate you doing this podcast. I'm looking forward to part two, the rule 34 uh, follow up. I think it'll be a really good time. Yeah. We'll just, it won't even be in video. We'll just do a slideshow of all the porn that people have made out of your game. How's That's that probably smart. Like I said, I'm really good at PowerPoint now, so I can I can definitely make that happen. Yeah, intense tenths of a second animations right. of of cultic porn. That's that's right. <laughs> yep, that'll be it. Okay.